Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. And because it's obviously episode 7, which is Nurgle's favourite number, <laughs> it's only appropriate. I've got uh, Nurgle's favourite son with me, Cameron. Hello. How you doing, mate? Hello. All things death and decay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can say that a lot, don't you? It's just part of your normal conversation. Uh, well, look. I'm actually a very generally healthy person, but I just constantly feel drained and tired, and the entire world seems sick around me. So the worship of Nurgle is a natural thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice indeed. Right, so yeah, here we are. Another episode. So, on this one, we are going to cover our normal hobby stuff. We've got quite a lot on this one, actually, yeah. because we've both been up to quite a bit. <laughs> um, and then we're going to crack on with the news, which won't be as much as last episode, which was obviously the uh, was post-Warhammer yeah. Fest. <laughs> that was a big one. So uh, mm. this one will be slightly <laughs> less, thank goodness. Um, then our main law topic is we're going to cover the Skaven. We're going to do an overview of what they uh, were about in the old fantasy world, and then mm. we're going to cover what the they've been doing in uh, age of sigma and then yeah. hooray the discussion topic is uh returning <laughs> at the end um and so this one we're going to be talking about uh who is more likely to conquer the galaxy the necrons or the tyranids dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and then obviously at the end we'll just do the usual outro and admin mm. so yeah here we go so actually, one thing I wanted to do before we got into our usual hobby stuff is I wanted to do a few shout outs, okay? Because like I said, as as we're getting going, we've got some really good people out there on the Discord, on Twitter, Reddit, you know, Facebook, etc. So we've got quite a few people that are sort of joining, you know, we're getting a little nice little community yeah, going here. Yeah. It's really, it's really cool, isn't it? So um so like I said, there's a few people I've written down. I just want to give a few shout outs to. Apologies if I don't mention everyone. It's just a, you know, a few prominent people that we've had so far. Um, so on our Discord, I want to give a shout out to Red Shadow. Um, he's always good for a conversation, does some good paint work, um, yeah, gives some good advice. Uh, he does indeed. Um, and on the same lines, uh, we've got Adrian as well, mm-hmm. uh, who I've mentioned before on the show. Uh, also known as uh, Silver Shaman Studio, commission painting, does some good stuff. And again, he's he's helped me out in the past with, uh, he's, he's, he's like selling me stuff at the moment. I like <laughs> buying stuff off him. <laughs> I bought uh, Necrons off him. I've got some uh, Space Marines lined up to buy off him. So, uh, and again, he gives great advice, um, which is quite appropriate when I talk about what happened to my Dreadnought in a mm, bit yeah. and, uh, um who's next uh devin who contacted us via email we've had a brief chat with him also he gets involved on twitter as well so mm-hmm. shout out to him um another recent uh, person is john h uh, on twitter uh said he's really enjoying the show so again shout out to him glad you're enjoying it mm. keep going keep listening hopefully <laughs> and uh but i need to do one big shout out yes particularly this week um this is for um i won't mention his real name just for you know <laughs> privacy but uh, his username is uh cykj okay so now we mentioned him briefly before not by name but 
if you remember maybe a few episodes ago, uh, we did make reference to an iTunes review that we got for the show, which was great. Five star, <laughs> loving the show. Uh, and <laughs> he put at the end, includes an Australian. Yep. Obviously, to our resident Australian, Cameron. Hello, Cameron. Hello. Hello, resident Australian. G'day. <laughs> Which obviously was, uh, <laughs> was a really funny review and it was, it was great. Um, so he contacted me, um, after last week's episode. Um, obviously, say thank, you know, thanks for talking about his review. Um, but also in reference to when I was talking about painting my Redemptor Dreadnought. Now, as I said last episode, I made, made reference to I need to buy a bigger brush to base coat, mm. uh, the Dreadnought in Caliban Green because obviously it's a bigger miniature. And uh, to be honest, I didn't want to you know spend the money on the uh on the spray of caliban green because yeah. admittedly they are quite expensive what they are now he contacted me and basically said uh you know if you want i can send you a can now you know i was <laughs> really taken aback by that i was saying wow that's you know that's amazing um you know you don't need to don't i'm just you know in all i said to him in all honesty i'm just being stingy <laughs> by not wanting to buy a can of it um but, you know, and I said, look, you know, don't worry, you don't need to do that. And he said, no, no, you know, but if, you know, I'm happy to, you know, say thanks for, you know, the work we do on the show and, you know, the effort we put in. And I thought, well, okay, you know, if you, if you really are happy to do that, that would be absolutely amazing. You really don't have to. Mm. Now, um, then within the next day or so, the can arrived. Now, what took me even more by surprise you know, was was the, yeah. the the next level of his generosity? Now, basically, I was my understanding was he had a spare can going. Mm. Um, you know, we just didn't need it anymore and just was going to send it me. Um, but what he done is he actually sent it me directly from Games Workshop website, oh. and so he actually bought <laughs> me a can, which I was definitely not expecting. And you know, words cannot describe <laughs> that generosity because you you know you really didn't have to i mean i'm fully mm. fully appreciative of it and i'm gonna talk about it when we talk about the hobby stuff but like i said massive shout out to you for mm. for doing that like i said you know it's you know for anyone <laughs> you don't you know we love what we do here doing yeah. this podcast and the community we got going it's you know i mean i mean if you want to shower us with gifts um <laughs> no honestly <laughs> it's it, you really <laughs> don't need to do anything like that i mean it's, don't get me wrong it's fully fully appreciated and it's lovely that people even consider doing that um again same to adrian we have mentioned before where he's you know he hit me up with um some miniatures for you know really good prices or in case mm. of just paying postage so again it's greatly greatly appreciated and i said you guys really mm. don't need to do it but yeah. you know again very <laughs> grateful for it so that was very touching yeah. <laughs> um so and- yeah so that yeah, I would sorry, like to just give a general shout out. Uh, we've had a massive influx of listeners in the last two weeks, probably thanks to Warhammer Fest. Yes. Uh, thanks yes. for, thanks for choosing to listen to us. It's, it was yeah. a little scary, but also inspiring to wake mm. up and realize we've almost doubled our download count in two weeks. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's got, it feels quite surreal. Um, mm. it, the, the, you guys are liking what we do. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's humbling. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, because it, it just, it, it makes it feel, you know, cause like I said, multiple times we enjoy what we do. We just, this is just good fun for us. We love talking about Warhammer. It's, you know, it's what we're into, but the fact we can then share things with you guys and, and vice versa, 
it's absolutely amazing um mm. you know i we we really are completely taken <laughs> aback by uh you know how the how the show's definitely ramping up um we've got more people in our discord now mm. so we've got some you know it, which is great you know we've got more people offering um their you know conversations advice and mm. and all, all questions which is quite good because you know we've had a few new people that have got a few questions to ask you know and and obviously it's not just on us to help them, you know, some other guys that I've mentioned, you know, are coming in and helping others. It's really good. You know, like I said, we've got a nice little community going here. Um, so yeah, like Cameron said, we're just, just grateful for <laughs> anything people are doing, you know, even just listening to the show is yeah. more than, you know, we expect. So no massive shout out to everyone mm. really. And again, I know a lot of shows do this and you guys are the greatest, but it, it really, <laughs> it really is just, Wow and thank you very much for any mm. for any sport support anyone gives us yeah so right okay i think that's the end of the gushing section mm-hmm. um <laughs> very very uh, very needed though yeah um so yeah we'll get stuck into our hobby stuff so as always we'll start with you cameron what uh, have you been up to oh boy it's been a busy couple of weeks uh some <laughs> eagle-eared I keep saying eagle-eared. What's a really what's an animal with really good hearing? <laughs> Didn't you say owl-eared? Owl-eared. Owl yes. Some owl-eared yeah. listeners may remember last week. I was incredibly positive about the upcoming Night Haunt models, and you know what? I mm-hmm. I I thought to myself, God dang it, Cameron, you're going to go down to your local friendly Games Workshop store, and you're going to buy yourself a Night of Shrouds and nothing else, and you're going to get that ready for when Night Haunt comes out. And it'll be lovely. And I walked out of the store with a thousand points of Night Haunt. <laughs> as you do yeah yep. um not? Uh, this is because today early today it's um just after 6 p.m my time and i've spent my entire day at said friendly local games workshop it's a lovely store shout out to the june Love games workshop workshop store in perth great place um they had a narrative <laughs> tournament slash event thing today called the war of a thousand crowns which was a narrative play age of sigmar event and you know i was a couple, this was two weeks back at the time. I was talking to the owner of the store. I was like, yeah, I decided to pick up a Knight of Shrouds because I want to get into Age of Sigmar with second edition coming up. Night Haunt is what I really want to try. And he said, oh, we're doing this thing in a couple of weeks. And I, like a fish, um, fell <laughs> hook, hook, line, and sinker for this, Absolutely. for this cunning marketing ploy, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> um, they know people like us, Cameron. Oh, they really do. <laughs> Bait us in. They could smell weakness. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> not not pagan plest- pestilence this time. It's no, it's just, no. It was just <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, I have now a what I would call a reasonable number of ghosts, uh, which I'm very looking forward to adding many more to in two to four weeks' time, whenever uh, second edition actually launches. Uh, my bets are on, like, later half of June, because they haven't given us a solid date yet, so it's probably going to be, like, mm-hmm. 20, 20th to 30th. But that's... I agree. That's beside the point. Um, <laughs> so, in terms of assembly hobby, God damn, I hate spirit hosts so much. <laughs> and Flimsy? Hex Wraiths too, for that matter. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, spirit hosts are like those those large bases that have a cluster of three swirly looking ghosts on them. A lot in a lot of cases, there is one ghost attached to the base, and the other two are basically just barely hanging off the central ghost. It's like there's one, or if you're lucky, two whole attachment points. <laughs> <And I'm> just 
I have six of them, and I think one is built according to the instructions. The others are like, I built the center one. I cut the other ones in half. I put them on the base so they look like they're coming out of the ground <laughs> or something like that. Oh, right. Freestyling as you go now. Nice. Uh, it it yep. was more like my heart broke after the 20th time of trying to assemble the second base of Spirit Host. I'm like, no, I've had enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hex Wraiths, which are the cavalry with sides. Also, super fiddly. God damn, uh, but not quite as bad as Spirit Hosts, at least. Only one made me cry tears of rage. Uh, <laughs> and that that was easy enough to fix, because um, that box, the Hex Wraith kit, is dual with the Black Knight, so the Skeleton Cavalry kit. And so I took one of the lances, chopped the head off the lance, put the Scythe Blade on there. Voila, it's solved. Um, there you go. So I now have six Spirit Hosts assembled. I have ten Hex Wraiths assembled. I have my beautiful Knight of Shrouds, which is lovely. It's great. Um, I have a Can Wraith, which is the easiest kit to build in the world, uh, after, or at least it felt like that after six Spirit Hosts and ten Hex Wraiths and <laughs> <laughs> various things, but it, it's a lovely little miniature. It's really full of character for something so simple, so I really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I did was I got a box of Spirit Hosts, a box of Hex Wraiths, a Knight of Shrouds, Can Wraith, and then I bought the Start Collecting Malignance box, which has Spirit Host, Hex Wraith, and a Mortis Engine, which... Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know what the Mortis Engine is, right? It's the carriage being carried by a wave yep. of ghosts with a necromancer on top, and inside an even older necromancer locked away to preserve his life, uh, which yep. is great, by the way. I love that fluff. Um, for some <laughs> reason, <laughs> that is not a Night Haunt piece. Isn't it? No, uh, it's not. It's a malignant and death mage's piece. It's not actually technically allowed to ally with them at all under the current oh, rules. Controversial. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. I think the fluff explanation is the necromancer and the ancient necromancer entombed within it are people who regularly enslave uh, night haunt ghosts, which they don't like, so they don't okay. get along. But it's fine because this was narrative play, so I was allowed to bring whatever I liked as long as Yay. the organizer said it was okay, and he did. Um, <laughs> Good on him. Yeah, um, so I have that mostly assembled because I, I did it in sub-assemblies and tried to paint all the stuff on the bottom because otherwise I wouldn't be able to reach it later and it would look very bad because I <laughs> use a white spray for these. Um, but it's mostly assembled and it's like 50% painted and it'll get there. Um, I've painted one whole unit of spirit hosts. Hooray. Um, and I figured out a rate, I figured out a rate scheme, which is nice and easy. It's spray white, nylac oxide over everything. BL Town Green over everything. <laughs> and then, thank you, Games Workshop, for new paints. Uh, a dry brush of Deepkin Flesh, just to pick out the highlights. And it looks really Good. nice, and it's yep. quick and easy. So, thank God yeah. for that. Waiting for next month with the two new paints to do cloth and fire and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, that's, like, my assembly hobby and my painting hobby. Like, I've started on a bit of everything. Oh, and I've... So the the modest engine is meant to have banshees on it. I pulled those off and turned them into banshees on bases because banshees are great. Um, nice. They're really they're really strong. Good move. Yeah. Uh, one blew up a giant today. It was great. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Take that giant. Mm. And um, so when that was when that was all partially assembled, I had my very first game of Age of Sigma. It was a 100 whoop, point... Whoop. Op- it was a, not 100 point, 700 point open play game. <laughs> Small. Yeah. <It's> a skirmish. <laughs> yeah. I brought a can wraith and nothing else. Um, 
<laughs> no, it was, it was 700 points because I didn't have the engine built properly and things like that. Um, right. and so there is a great guy at the store named Tom who is technically a destruction player, but his army's only good for open and narrative play because his army is five giants. And I love it. <laughs> um, they've all got custom backstories. They're all beautifully painted. They all have little conversions. Um, they're, they're great. I think my favorite is one called The Collector, which has like five of those gibbets, those man cages hanging over it, and he's just chasing the yep, little yep. running guy. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all great. They're all really cool. So we had like a little 700-point game, which was four giants versus a bunch of spirit hosts and some hex raids and my Knight of Shrouds, basically. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I ended up winning through the fact that Nighthorn are apparently impossible to kill, uh, if you can make a 4 plus save, which I sometimes can, and I sometimes can't, uh, which has led to a lot of ups and downs today. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, are you suggesting it's 50-50? Yeah, <laughs> some would say I might as well flip a coin for my armor save. <laughs> oh, that'd be an interesting change of mechanics. If you've got a four plus save, you might as well just flip a coin. Just flip a coin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd, there you go. That I'd makes lose your games a lot of up coins. Now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that was sort of my dip my toe back in with no actual objectives, just kill everything. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I learned that giants fall over when they are killed. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. Which, uh, which did not go so well for me in that game because I lost a lot of good models to that. <laughs> Um, so, so the idea is when you kill a gargant or a giant, um, you and the other player roll off. Whoever rolls higher decides which way it falls, and every unit it falls on takes D3 mortal wounds as they get crushed, which is really yep. cool. Um, and then fast forward a week and a half to today, uh, we had our little narrative event. We had our war for a thousand crowns. Um, I'm not 100% on the fluff behind this, but the general, like, general idea I got was, Zinch has thrown a thousand crowns of magical power out into the mortal realms, and everyone wants them. Uh, <laughs> so, right. yeah. Nice. Mm. Yep. So, not everyone who planned to show up managed to show up. We ended up with three order players, uh, two Stormcast and one Caradron, two Destruction players, one army of five giants, and one Moon Clan Grotz, which was also cool. Um, and then two death players, which was myself playing Nighthaunt and someone else playing a bunch of skeletons. So many skeletons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the idea is, over the course of today, we played four games, each with um, using the open war cards, so they had different deployments, different objectives, and they had all had yep. a twist or a ruse, or if you were severely outmatched, you would have a sudden death objective where, sure, your army's literally half the points of your opponent's armies, but if you do this one thing, you win. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think ever actually ended up coming into play because we had enough players to split people evenly for the most part. So that worked out. Um, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, I started out with a game against Caradron Overlords, which, um, for those not in the know, are dwarves with balloons and a lot of <laughs> Dwardin, guns. as yeah. they're now called. Yeah, true, true. Um, and <laughs> that was a lot of fun. That was a great game. Uh, we had a boat fight between his gunboat and my mortise engine, uh, which did not nice, did nice. not end yep. so well for the mortise engine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I quickly learned that shooting in Age of Sigma, if it's concentrated as you get with Caradron Overlords, where the whole army shoots, um, it's yep. a lot stronger than in Warhammer 40k, where people know everything shoots and characters are easily protected. 
like the Knight of Shrouds got gunned down turn one, the Banshee got gunned down pretty quickly, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. but it was a lot of fun game. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a good learning experience. And in this one, it was, there were six objectives on the board. And if at the start of your turn, you controlled any objectives, you rolled a dice for each one. And on a six, that was the objective. You took all the other objectives off the board and that was the one they had to fight oh, over. Okay. Um, and so turn one, one of my objectives nearest me was the objective and it was like, I feel like I'm better attacking rather than defending, but here I am like <laughs> clumping spirit hosts onto this little ruins and like, please, I need this. Uh, <laughs> Just imagine that. As, as the boat slowly draws closer with the giant cannon that does D6 damage, which is terrifying. Um, Ouch. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up losing that one, but it was a lot of fun. Um, we discovered that in close combat, dwarf axes are useless. The only thing that kills ghosts is the butt of the gun. Um <laughs> it was it was like i charged a unit with my with my hex rates and they were mixed melee close combat uh melee and range because they had pistols and an axe uh except for three of them had harpoon guns or whatever they're called um and the axes did nothing like they barely even got enough wounds in for me to bother making saves and then the three guys with the actual harpoon guns walked in and just started clubbing ghosts in the head (laughs) with the butt of their gun (laughs) like what's happening (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> random mm. all, kind, all kinds of all kinds of dumb nonsense so that was a ton of fun um and then our second round was kill the messenger so you nominate one model in your army that is not your general any model doesn't have to be a leader um and that is the messenger if the opponent kills that model they win um for this okay. i was facing moon clan grots which was pretty cool um so there were 90 grots and you know, a couple of spear chuckers, uh, the boss was a shaman, and it was just a big block of, um, sword and shield, and a big block of spear and shield, and my opponent made an incredibly smart decision of, this grot in the middle of the spear block is the one you have to kill. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. <laughs> and it was, it was a really good tactic, because what he did is he just used inspiring presence on that unit every turn, so they would never take morale tests and never flee. And so to get mm-hmm. to kill the messenger, I would have to chew through 40 grots who were hidden behind a 40 grots that were in front of them. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Whew, this is going to be an event. And it was. That was my longest game of today. It lasted... Oh, right, okay. I think it lasted an hour and 40 minutes. Close to just through sheer numbers of things. That's if, quite a lot considering the points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a- again, it's a thousand point game and he put down like 90 mm. models. <laughs> I was like, oh, what the? Oh God. <laughs> you know, I, I had like just under 20, I think, uh, <laughs> or wow. okay. uh, 20 exactly actually. Yeah. So, uh, I was definitely outnumbered, but, uh, it turns out I was not outclassed because 40 grots are not very good at killing ghosts. Uh, it turns out. Lesson ah. um, learned for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because he had two big units of grots, but only one use of inspiring presence a turn, uh, the front line, the guarding unit of grots that didn't have the messenger in it, was actually very vulnerable to one thing, the cry of the banshee, which is ah. horrific. Um, so for those who don't know, in the shooting phase, the banshee has a 10-inch shooting weapon called a whale. Um, what you do is you select a unit within range, you roll 2d6, and you compare that to the unit's bravery, and they take the difference in mortal wounds. Um, so what happened was my Banshee got in range on turn two, 
screamed at the screamed at the goblins, and seven of them just exploded because she rolled an eleven <laughs> and their bravery four. <laughs> and then you know there were ghosts in combat, and you know by the by the battleshock phase that unit had taken like fifteen casualties, and then they rolled a like cool. So I have to roll fifteen plus a d six. Oh, we got twenty. I'm bravery four. Another fifteen grots run away. I'm like okay, <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, you know, I, um, my messenger, I should have mentioned, was the Mortis engine, because it was the toughest unit I had with 12 wounds and, Don't blame and armor yep. save. Um, I'd also taken the artifact to make the Banshee into a wizard, so she could cast Mystic Shield on it, because it's not ethereal, so you can give it a 3 plus armor save, which is nice. Um, yep. that, that being said, if there wasn't a really big tower on the field, uh, that was quite broad as well, I would probably have been shot off the board by the Spear Chuckers. Because those do a lot more damage than I thought they did. Um, oh, really? They're yeah, quite they're damaging, quite good because they? uh, they're two shots each. But he had two of them, um, and you can have a bully uh, in the crew who lets them reroll failed hits. And you know, two shots hitting oh, fours, okay. wounding on threes, and there are d three damage each at negative two rend. So it's like I have a five plus armor save with my buff, and it, like you know, three shots slip through, and he's like, he's done three d three damage. I'm like, oh, this is turn one. <laughs> If this if this thing dies, <laughs> I lose this game. Um, what it came down to was we were pressed for time. We had literally two minutes before we had to finish that game and get ready for the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, there was still eleven Gretchen uh, or Grots or whatever left in the spear unit, so I knew I had to kill eleven to get rid of the messenger. And my <laughs> yeah. and yeah. my mortis engine was on five wounds um, left, and so I poured everything into that unit and the hero of the hour was the can wraith came in did six mortal wounds by rolling three sixes to hit um nice <laughs> and got them down and you know at the end of the end of the turn it was there are five grots left in this unit there are five wounds left on my messenger what basically that's basically the exact same thing our messenger has five wounds left let's just roll off and mm-hmm. i rolled a six and he rolled a five and like i guess i technically oh. won <laughs> oh Pulled it out wow. with a technicality in the last 30 seconds. It's like, it was good. Uh, wins a win. Yeah, wins a win. Um, <laughs> that was a really great game. Uh, I think he probably would have won if we had had time to do a fifth turn, because that was the the end of turn four. That was a really long game. Right. Um, What did I do next? I have to consult the Twitter feed, because I can't remember which one I did <laughs> next. A matter of hours ago. So Such a busy day. <laughs> oh, oh that, that was it. Yeah, there we go. Um... I got my rematch with Tom and his five giants, except this time Tom and his five giants were five giants, not four giants, and they had their battalion bonus. And the twist for that game was every unit's melee weapons get plus one attack. Um, right. So these okay. giants were... Th- and it's per weapon, not per model. So the giants each have three different weapons that they use in each combat mm-hmm. phase, so they're getting three extra attacks per giant. Um, which was pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and this one was also really against me because it was War of Attrition, which is at the end of the game, count up how many wounds of the enemy you have killed. So if I wound a giant, it doesn't die. It doesn't count. Um, right. And that's how you score. Whereas I was sitting here with all my two and three wound models going, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> I did okay, but I definitely didn't win. Um, 
as I as I alluded to earlier, I think the um the highlight of the game was the banshee floating into range and just blowing up a giant with the um the scream. <laughs> you know, it, it it had like five wounds left, and she rolled in and rolled a twelve on the um the leadership tests and their bravery six nice. took six wounds and just bang. Uh, exploded giant, <laughs> basically. See, if you're going to lose, have a bit of satisfaction with it. Oh, yeah. Like, all of these games were incredibly fun. There were lots of dumb nonsense going on. Um, I, I obviously lost that one because I couldn't win unless I killed every single giant without losing all my units. And um, I learned a handy lesson here. So, Nighthawk has a thing called Eternal Rulers where you can put units into Deep Strike, basically. You know, put them in the underworld. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and at the start of your movement phase, you roll a dice, and if you roll a three or more, that unit comes on. However, this ability only functions if you have a Tomb Banshee or a Can Wraith on the field. Turn two, my Can Wraith and Tomb Banshee were dead. Uh, turn three, actually. <laughs> um, and so I had, I had a whole unit of Spirit Hosts that just didn't do anything. Uh, my opponent didn't <laughs> oh, get no. the point, didn't get the points for killing them, because he didn't kill them. But no, technically, I, no. I was no. I was down a quarter of my troops effectively because <laughs> at that point the banshee and the canwraith were gone. Um, also got to give a real good shout out to the canwraith for surviving the giant general for a full turn because um, what is it? He started out with basically nineteen attacks. He rolled max on the number of attacks he did. Um, and the canwraith just stood there and took it. And at the end of the fight, he'd been hit like 25 times. He still had two wounds left. I'm like, what happened? Fair play. <laughs> How is this ghost still here? <laughs> like, I- ignoring Rend MVP, is such though. a... Yeah, ignoring Rend is such a massive thing for Nighthaunt. Yeah, I can imagine. It, yeah. it was like, I made all these four-up saves, and then the final thing with having Nighthaunt allegiance is you get a six-up save versus every wound you take after saves. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh... I've got five wounds that I need to roll sixes on. I rolled it, and I had five sixes. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> he just ignored everything. <laughs> it's like the, the giant players just looked across me like, ah, oh, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that was a ton of fun. Um, and then mm. the, fi- the final round was the Civil War round, uh, mostly because we were trying to cycle through so no one played the same person twice. Uh, so we yeah, had the Stormcast yeah. fighting each other. We had the Destruction players fighting each other. And then there was me, the Death player, fighting the other Death player. Um, and yeah. this, this is where I learned that uh, Legions of Nagash is a very good battle tome if you are willing to paint. <laughs> if you're willing to paint, like, 50, 60 skeletons. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I was going to say white spray <laughs> and then just a wash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, all, all credit to my opponent. He had, he had beautifully painted his grave guard. They were wonderful. His skeletons did look a little quickly done, but I really don't blame him. Yeah, they were, like, four, they were yeah. like 40 skeletons. It was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. His, his list was literally white king on a steed, necromancer, and then big blob of skeletons, big blob of graveyard, uh, grave guard. Um, and this one was Pillage and Burn with a really odd deployment set. It's hard to describe the deployment, but it, it was it was the one where there's a back line of defenders and then the, the attacking forces in this really narrow column that goes up the middle of the board. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Pillage and Burn, so you place three objectives in your deployment zone um, 
If you're in the enemy deployment zone and you end the turn controlling an objective, you destroy it to get a point. If you get, you know, the person at the end of the game with the most destroyed objectives wins. Um, yep. I just kind of threw myself into the blender that is 30 Graveguard with Van Hell's dance on them. Um, and that did not go well. <laughs> uh, MVP of the game is definitely me realizing that the Mortis Engine's bonus to casting applies to all death wizards, not all friendly death wizards. Um, ah, allowing the enemy, yep. allowing the enemy necromancer to get off the spell that lets the unit of skeletons fight twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no it was, it was <laughs> lesson learned again <laughs> yeah uh but i got the moral victory because my can wraith killed his can wraith so clearly i was the superior knight haunt in the, de- in the death battle um <laughs> yeah yeah um the day ended with an overall win for order uh they had one more player and they were honestly better players uh than okay, probably fair. the rest of us uh especially me <laughs> I mean, I won't speak to the abilities of any of the other players, but I am brand new and green when it comes to Age of Sigma. So this was really me dipping my foot in the pool and going, "Oh, yeah." But a, it, what, it what sounds like you sensation. did all right, though, considering. Oh yeah, I had. I mean, end of the day, I had a ton of fun, and that is the objective. Yeah, which is the main thing. Yeah, <laughs> mm. yeah had a ton of fun. Got to know a lot of the people who go to the store regularly better, and you know, got to sort of get to grips with how Nighthaunt work. Um, I learned it's better to attack, attack, attack with a hero right behind them rather than attack, attack, attack without a hero right behind them. Um, <laughs> because the heroes give that six inch aura of six plus to ignore any wound you take, which is really nice. Even though it's only a six plus, sometimes it just saves you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I feel probably a lot more prepared than I would if I just jumped in in a month's time and just bought the starter set. And that was my beginning with Nighthaunt in Age of Sigma. So, honestly, I'm really glad I did this. Uh, and it means I'll be able to build a much more diverse list after getting all the new Nighthaunt stuff. Ooh. Oh, speaking of new Nighthaunt stuff, I did order a Morgulov Forge World, but I didn't want to pay 22. Oh, yes, you said, yes. Yeah, I didn't want to pay £22 for express shipping, so, of course, it wasn't here this week. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd let you off for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, a lot uh, of money. I was like, it's a £37 model. Do I really want to pay almost double the price to make sure it's here within three days? I'm like, no. No, I can wait. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I think, you've, I think you've done the right thing, though, by, like I mm. said, trying to get stuck in before Age Sigma version 2 comes out. And, yeah. And like I said, it's the best way. Just get stuck in. And, yeah, and yeah. like like I said, you do, you you know you won some you know you won a bit, lost a bit, <laughs> but you had fun. That's, yeah. the, way, that's the way it Absolutely. should be. Yeah. So now, awesome, fair play to you. Good on you, pro. See, pro <laughs> player in the making. There oh, you are. totally. How did you win this tournament? I just spammed that ability where a six to hit causes an causes a mortal wound. I just did that with everything. <laughs> 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 but, but what's also quite good is you've added mm. quite a diverse set of opponents as well. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. I played against... There, there was a Chaos player who I forgot to mention, sorry, Lone Chaos player. Um, He was using the Stores Corn Bloodbound army from the current starter set. Uh, I didn't get to play <laughs> him. Uh, i got to say, though, like, focus on a game I didn't do for a second. He had the most amazing-looking first game because they it was a deployment where it's two triangles that touch at the middle of the board. That was your entire deployment zone. 
And so he was fighting a Stormcast player in the middle of the board at where the deployment zones met. There was a raised hill. He put his champion on the hill and the Stormcast player put their champion on the hill. And for four turns, they fought without dying. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like they were on the table next to us. I just kept looking over and it was like, it was like, they're like, yep, turn three. I attack. I hit all my attacks. Stormcast. I make all my saves. Stormcast. I make all my attacks. <laughs> Corn player, I make all my saves. I'm like, how long has that been going? Like, oh, they've been fighting since turn one. He got the charge in turn one and didn't kill him. I'm like, what? <laughs> it was beautiful. That, um, no, that sounds great. Yeah. It, it was a really good day. I'm really happy um, that I got to do that. Uh, but enough about me. How about you, Matthew? What, what have I been up to, Cameron? <laughs> right. Well, see, so you've had a biggie. You've you know, played your first Age of Sigmar tournament. My yeah. biggie was I went to a Warhammer World. Hooray! Yeah. The Disney of Warhammer. Um, as my wife told me <laughs> when I was there. That's I was, a good way to put it. It's like, well, well, we, you know, her and I have been to Disney a couple of times mm. over in America and, and that's her thing. And yeah, yeah. for me, going to Warhammer World was, I was a 10 year old again. Just gawping around, <laughs> mouth wide, just going, I want to buy everything. So. So, yeah, so last weekend I went to Warhammer World in Nottingham. Mm. Um, obviously, I hope there may be some people listening that have been there before, but I will sort of explain to people in general what's there and what it's all about. So uh, it's the, the sort of bit, bit next to the uh, head office of Games Workshop. Uh, it's a combination of things. Mm. Uh, it's part exhibition, part um, stores, which is Forge World, Games Workshop, and Black Library. And then you've got the actual gaming arena as well and when i was there they were having or just about to kick off with a blood bowl tournament as well so people were prepping but also there was bits where you can rent uh tables as well you know if you just want to play with your mates just other Mm. games as well so that's really cool so first of all i hit the shops (laughs) i was like right i'm getting in there while it's quiet people are still prepping um and also i thought if i have a look around I can sort of start planning because like I said to you, I had, I had two lists. Um, mm. So I had a, I had a games workshop list and I had a forge world list of things that I particularly yeah. wanted. So my forge world list um, comprised of Horus heresy stuff. Cause that's what I'm getting into at the moment. Mm. Um, and the games workshop stuff was basically things you would have to order off the web, you know, the website only mm. orders, yeah. Yeah. which, you know, just because I didn't see the point of getting normal stuff because I could just get that locally. So I thought, let's, you know, let's, let's uh, go a level above. So I instantly went for Forge World and <laughs> Forge World <laughs> the shop is quite interesting yeah. because very, it's very, the late, it's very difficult to see what things are because unlike the Games Workshop stuff where you've got the photo and everything on the front to go, ah, there we go. There's a rhino. I know what that looks like. In in the Forge World store, pretty much all the a lot of the big stuff is just plain white boxes, and you yeah. have to look at some really small little black print <laughs> to sort of see what what it is. Um, even the blister packs are the same. You, you know, you very very few of them have actually got photos on the front. Mm. You, most of them have just got the Forge World logo and like you know World Bearers mm. shoulder pads <laughs> written at the, in the bottom. So yeah. um, so my wife was saying to me, "Well, what are you looking for?" I'm like, "I can't. I don't know because I can't see where anything is." So, um, so with my little sort of shopping list, I, um, cause I'm starting a Emperor's Children Horus Heresy army. Well, that's the plan anyway. Um, I was slightly distressed the day before because 
I my plan was to buy a squad of uh, Palatine blade mm. um, Palatine blades, which is basically um, Emperor's Children Marines with swords, <laughs> basically because that's what they excel in. Um, but unfortunately, the day or so before, the Forge World website had them showing as out, well not um, currently unavailable. And I was like, no, <laughs> I wanted to buy these. These are one of the main things I need to get. Um, luck, I said to the, I went to the guy, luckily they had some available um, for me to, uh, for me to buy because he, he knew nothing about it. And they, luckily they had, a, they had a couple of squads left. So I grabbed two of those. Um, I then grabbed two of the Horse Heresy books. So I got the uh, Army List book and the Legion book. So basically ones for covers basically how to build a le- a normal legion um yeah. in the game and then the other book uh basically covers some of the some of the particular legions i in my case emperor's children so i sort of had to buy both books um which was quite expensive but i thought hey they they're good little collectibles to have mm. um then i bought some uh shoulder pads for my emperor's children which again are quite expensive but you know they're cool um they had a lot of the last chance to buy stuff there as well because that's mm. caused a lot of controversy online yeah. as well because <laughs> they because forge world of for people that don't know forge world have started to discontinue some of their stock um primarily the mark ii armored marines mm. and some of the other bits like you know like the torsos and things like that which yeah. um i almost bought some but i thought i can't like five torsos was like i don't know 13 quid and i was like i can't do that yeah. i can't it's a lot of money just for a couple of torsos um but you know i, I said i got the shoulder pads anyway while i was there um what else did i get i got over the games workshop side so imagine the games workshop side mm. is basically just you know just a bigger store as you would imagine um it's not as big as you think it's going to be but mm. it's you know it's got they got a lot on display you know, a lot in the cabinets and things like that it's nicely open um so i bought um asriel mm. from uh for the my dark angels um it's funny i i completely forgot that he's still metal so so i couldn't find him um because i i, I realized they have they got a literally like the side of a of a shelf that's devoted to metal miniatures so i um went to the counter i was like where, where's asriel and i, I completely because i was looking around the dark angels bit and i yeah, didn't realize yeah. in, the, in the very very small metal <laughs> section so that's really cool so i'm um, mm. looking forward to getting him out at some point um i bought uh commando sh- uh, commando commander shadow sun for my tag mm-hmm. um it was i was it was a toss-up between her or commander farsight but i went for shadow sun because yeah. I think she'd be better overall, um, so I picked her up. I had to ask for because again, a lot of the a lot of the miniatures are not on display. You have to they've got them hidden away in, in little yeah. cabinets and things like that. So uh, I got her as well. Um, going back to <laughs> going back to Forge World, I then bought um, a set which is the Legion Champion and what's called the Master of the Signal. So basically, in Horus Heresy, that's basically the guy that calls down like orbital bombardments like once per game and can. Yeah, mess things up (laughs) basically, and the and the Legion champion is very appropriate for Emperor's children. You know, armed with a big sword and goes around basically challenging and trying to take out the uh, other army's general. So Mm. I was like, "Yep, that's what I'm buying as well." Um, So yeah, so 
about 200 pounds later <laughs> I, I bought all those things and it, it's funny because i was literally going from one shop to the other i was there like so i was there just buying like no i need to go back to the other one buy yeah, that because i was yeah. trying to strateg- be strategic <laughs> with my money because um, uh, there's so much to see there honestly oh, yeah. there's just so much you, you know you could spend you know spend an absolute fortune as you'd imagine in there so mm. uh, yeah so that's what i did i thought right let's get the shopping out of the way so we then went me and my wife went around the actual exhibition now the exhibition is absolutely fantastic and what was great we were the only ones doing it as well so we had full reign of the whole place um so basically it starts with um you well you got some steps but you basically start with uh, a few boxes of like the old like the original warhammer like the very first editions rogue trader things like that so the real you know (laughs) archaic things you know they're obviously worth god knows how much they're worth now yeah um so the first exhibition is warhammer uh warhammer fantasy and then obviously naturally progresses into Age of Sigmar. Mm. Like, there's this amazing uh, set piece, which is the uh, Stormcast versus the versus Corn, um, yeah. with this this, um, this amazing uh, I don't know how you describe it. It's like where you like raised islands and platforms, and mm. they're just fighting it. And you, it, oh, it's it's so hard to describe. You'd, you'd have to see it. I've you know, yeah. I've got all the photos mm. of it as I well. Saw, put it on yeah. our Discord. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic and what was funny because as as we're going around i'm basically doing a guided tour to my wife because she obviously she doesn't know anything about it and it felt weird that i'm doing a guided tour of a place that i've never been to <laughs> so this is like all new to me but i'm there explaining what things are and again like i said you just got cabinet after cabinet of pretty much every single army every single miniature you can think of or some amazing there's there's this other amazing set piece which is basically the um dwardin well yeah dwardin and fire the fire slayers against skaven so you've got this basically imagine very similar you see in like lord lord of the rings like the mines of moria um mm. you know where they're all inside the mountains and mines and you've got the skaven burrowing through and you know it, oh it's, it's just absolutely amazing the amount of you know level of detail the amount of time that must have gone into these it, i i dread to think um so yeah so that was the age of sigmar bit and then you got in the middle you had a bit of blood bowl um and then you go through to the uh, well, the, well, thirty k section first. So you have got the Horus Heresy stuff. Um, mm. I managed to see some amazing bits there. You got you had the burning of Prospero, um, which looked fantastic. Like they recreated Prospero uh, just as you imagine it mm. to be. Mm. Um, I tell you what, I did see, um, which I always remember back when I was a kid, I'd seen in White Dwarf. I don't remember if you've ever seen it. Um, I can't remember the name. I think the name of the guy was called Mike, but he basically did a recreation of the scene between the Emperor and Horus. Um, yeah, the final yeah, showdown. But that was fun. I mean, I remember as a kid being blown away by that. I mean, by mm. today's standards, <laughs> it looks nothing. But you know what he managed to create at the time. Yeah. Um, with the miniatures that were available. This is well, this is I don't know ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, I would yeah. say. Um, and just seeing it up close was unbelievable and how tiny they are because <laughs> obviously compared to the, yeah, the new sort of yeah. uh, primark miniatures um oh, it was unbelievable um yeah so you, you saw they actually also recreated you know the front cover of rogue trader uh, yes, as well yeah. with the uh, the marines sort of you know in a circle surrounded mm. by orcs yeah. um they'd recreated that which looked brilliant you had a whole section devoted to pretty much almost all the main chapters you had about 40 different you know model Mm. uh of each 
that was just you know done fantastic you had every chapter you could think of um then you had a section that had all the um primarks in there as well mm-hmm. uh took pictures of like obviously people like fulgrim obviously <laughs> um <laughs> had to be done um then oh, what was next then we went into the the 40k section Again, it's just all the Marines you can possibly think of. They had this huge Imperial Guard, oh, sorry, Astra Militarum <laughs> um, army that was basically coming out of a base. So it's just rogue yeah. tanks and tanks and tanks yeah. and then Is troops. that the one on parade? Were they all yes, the same? Basically, yeah, yeah, that's it. That seeing it in person was I was blown away. You some you know you had a lot of um, you had a few set pieces of of the tower and the Necrons. You had like a Necron world with that had been you know that was being invaded. Um, you had I think I showed you as well a, a Nurgle one as well. Yeah. Um, where the plague marines. Uh, I, I it's it's hard to describe it all because there is just such a sheer number of, of miniatures and set pieces there. It's you know you, you, again you'd have to see the photos to mm, to actually yeah. truly understand what I saw there. But then I remember as I was going around because I was obviously just taking pictures and my wife was just wandering around and then she obviously spotted what was going to be in the next room and she's like before you go into this next room I want you to come in with your eyes closed and I'm like wow what am I <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to be seeing here so um that's what happened and then basically um I saw and it's frustrating cuz I forget the name of the battle it's basically ultramarines well mainly ultramarines against chaos it's basically a set piece that is so big it's got its own room and staircase devoted to it so basically you come to the you know as you come to the top of the stairs you go you spiral down and just see this the biggest set piece you'll probably ever see in your life you've got titans and warlords uh, not warlords um warhounds you've got uh, you know everything everything you can you've got blood letters spiraling around coliseums you've got uh you know land land speeders you've got uh, thunderhawk gunships just coming from every it is i i you know to describe it is unbelievable it is just the biggest set piece you'll ever see and you've got a real life well what would be a real life size chainsaw on the um on the wall as well which was absolutely huge and it made me think that's why i'm not a space marine because i want to pick that up um so um and then basically after you've you've done that section it comes to the uh the xenos section so you got all the eldar tau um orcs everyone you can think of again you they've got a lot of titans in there as well i noticed um they had this amazing um where a tight like this little set piece of a titan being repaired like in a you know in a bay you know something you'd see off like pacific rim you know where there's little mm. little tech priests and all and such like all you know doing what they need to do to keep the upkeep um yeah it's an absolute you know like i said if you if you love your miniatures it's <laughs> and you're nearby to it especially here in the uk it is such a, a spectacle to see and like i said i'm i'm sorry i can't describe it so much because there's just the sheer number you know every every miniature you can think of especially currently will be there somewhere and they're all mm. expertly painted and yeah, you know, you could, you, I, I, I could have spent a lot longer there than I did there. But again, I was just more conscious of my wife being there. Yeah, <laughs> well, she'd be just twiddling yeah. her thumb. So, but yeah, so we did that, and uh, then I came back out and you know spent more money. Um, and like I said, they had it, they got a black library that section there as yeah. well. Um, yeah. I, uh, I again, I almost picked something up, but again, most of the stuff there, to be fair, was stuff you could 
you know you could buy normally so mm. so yeah so that was uh warhammer world and wow. like i said if you can get there it is truly wow. fantastic i had a picture yeah. outside with the rhino um it was the yeah. first picture i sent you of the day Your new to show you my uh, my new vehicle <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah Warhammer World was absolutely fantastic. I, yeah, you know, I'd, 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 I'd go there again. Like, I think next time I go near Nottingham, I'll just pop in because oh, <laughs> yeah. why not? Yeah. I've already said that to my wife. I was like, I'm popping in <laughs> if we're nearby. Do we have to? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that was the the big thing I did in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Hobby wise, uh, right, let's talk about my dreadnought disaster. Mm. Um, so following on earlier when i was giving a shout out obviously regarding uh the can of uh caliban green that i was using to um base coat my redemptor dreadnought so i did that uh, a few earlier this week mm-hmm. um absolutely fine weather was lovely primed him all good so mm-hmm. then what happened <laughs> i because I, I do what a lot of people do when you're spraying outdoors i've got a thin bit of wood with yep. double-sided tape put them on top you know so you can move the mm. you know move the wood around to get all the different angles and things like that so i thought right okay dreadnought's looking good all green let's um let's go do my town next mm. so i took the dreadnought off and then somehow a gust of wind that wasn't there probably it was a really nice sunny lovely day this gust of wind literally blew the dreadnought off the, my garden table oh. uh, and i <laughs> And basically, it's it luckily didn't really do any particular damage, but it's it basically mucked up the paint on one side because obviously it just hit the floor and is because it was still obviously wet and and I've noticed obviously it softens the primer underneath as well, even though I primed mm. it a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, so I had all these smear marks on the on the back of one of the legs oh. on the side of the uh, one of the arms. Well, you, I yeah. showed the pictures to you, yeah, and I was just yeah. like, I must admit if i'm being brutally honest it because i'm you know we're getting back into this hobby after you know quite a few years it's it felt so frustrating you know yeah. because I, I feel like and i haven't said this to you before but i feel like i need to just just relax more when i'm doing mm. hobby stuff at the moment mm. i think because of time and because obviously yourself is cracking on with a lot of great projects <laughs> that you're doing i feel like it sometimes you know just because of time i'm trying to play catch up and no yeah. one's forcing yeah. me to do it i'm no. almost putting pressure on myself and mm. i think you know and i'm getting frustrated i mean this just was a random thing to happen but i felt i was really <laughs> you can inconsolable after mm. it happened I yeah. thought, oh my god you know because i felt bad as well because obviously you know like i said earlier the spray can had been sent to me as well and this mm. was one of the main purposes i think i felt like i was mucking things up as well as part uh. of that um but luckily um as i said earlier in the in the uh, episode you know some of the great guys that we've got mm. on our discord you know like you know i was like what can i do and obviously like red and adrian etc said look you know just sand it um mm. so I bought some, you know, got some sandpaper delivered next day. Um, I've sanded it down. I haven't had a chance to re-spray it yet, but I'm yeah. very confident I will have solved it <laughs> and it'll oh, be back looking how it should be. Yeah. That's again, it's, I've, I've sanded it down. It's now completely smooth. Uh, so yeah, hopefully just a, you know, just a quick respray on that, on the little bits that are missing paint now. Mm. It'll be good as, good as it was pre gust of wind <laughs> so, yeah so yeah so that's um that was a, a disaster but hopefully like i said uh, it's now being 
on the verge of being rectified. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sorry. That just reminds me of something I saw on Twitter. It must have been a month back. But I was scrolling through our Twitter, the Realm and Ruin Twitter, and I just saw mm-hmm. someone retweeted something that said, a bird stole my goddamn space marine. <laughs> <laughs> I can believe that because there's times yeah. where I'm leaving them outside to, to dry yeah. after I've just sprayed them. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's lots of birds around. They could easily just come down and go, all right, I'm having that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently the story with that was he was painting iron hands, so he'd sprayed them silver and he was leaving them on the uh, seal to dry and one was missing. Um, yeah. That'd completely. be a magpie or something like that. Yeah. Just come along and just take it because it's shiny. Yeah, I can, yeah. Believe, I can believe that. All kinds so, of yeah, <laughs> Well, I, I, like, I think I've said before when when I was I've been into the hobby previously, especially when I was younger. I mm. I didn't have the ability or well, not the ability, more the uh, you know the appar- apparatus and and mm. uh, you know to actually do spraying and stuff. I used to yeah. prime just with normal paint. You know, just mm. literally just brushing it on. Um, Whereas now, as an adult and you know, with a house, you can you can do these things. But I feel like I got to remember I'm doing a lot of these things for the first time that I mm. never got a chance to do years ago. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and mistakes will happen. You know, things you learn. You know, I'm just learning from it now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's even the simple things like I got. You know, getting back into it, I've just been frustrated with uh, myself. Like mm. with you know when you trying to get rid of sprue marks and things like yeah, that, with, you know, like yeah. a hobby knife, for example, and you then you dig a big part of the, the miniature and you think, oh, for mm. God's sake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, the more you practice, the better you get. That's yeah, the way exactly. you got to look at it. And that's yeah. how I'm looking at it. Good. Um, <laughs> so what else next? Um, yeah, like I said, I've got my um, Tau Stealth Suits um, primed, ready. So I'm going to hopefully start painting them soon. Um, regarding... Um, what you were saying earlier about obviously getting involved in tournaments and stuff like i said to you i really want to get back into actually playing um i'm, I'm yeah. in a sort of a predicament where my real life friends aren't into warhammer so i mm. can't play with any of those where so i need to get involved to with local clubs etc to start playing um what i did check out which some people may have heard of before there's a an app called game four um which is if anyone's familiar with adam from tabletop minute uh, minions on mm-hmm. youtube he's quite a, you know popular guy he works for the company and basically they've done an app where you as a club or you as an individual can basically you know search for other people local to play mm-hmm. with basically for any any game you want um so i've installed it and i've noticed there's quite a few people there's a local to me that play and what's mm-hmm. even greater is in, in a very close town to near where i live um they've got a really vibrant from what i can see gaming club as well so yeah. So my plan is, which I mentioned to you, uh, I think yesterday, yeah, is yeah. to keep me focused. What I'm going to do is I'm going to build a thousand point forty k force, a thousand point Age of Sigmar force, and a fifteen hundred Horus Heresy because mm. the points are a bit skewed in Horus Heresy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So forty k. I've got a few options. I've got quite a few Tau. I've got my Dark Angels going, but I've like you. I've well following your advice uh, i'm going to start a necron 40 um 40k mm. force um because basically i've got the forge bane uh you know set from yeah. uh you know of, uh, necrons um i've got some necron warriors on the way and i just need to add a few more bits and then i'm thinking i'm on about 700 points or so at the yeah. moment so yeah. just add a bit more and then i'll do that i've already got a color scheme ready mm. um because on on reddit i saw someone do a really good bluey green alpha legion 
Ooh. theme. Um, yeah. And I, I asked him what he, how he did it, and it sounds re- dead simple. Lead belcher, mm. then uh, a few layers of Gulliman blue glaze, mm-hmm. then a couple of layers of Waywatcher green glaze. Yeah. Uh, okay. Jobs are good. So yeah. I thought, I said to him, that would be perfect for Necrons. So, um, so that's what I'm going to do with them. Um, regarding Age of Sigmar, 1,000 points. Yeah. As I said, I think either last episode or one before, because um, it's my birthday very, very soon, um, my wife is going to be buying either me Deepkin or Sylvaneth as, as my you know as my uh, birthday present so that is going to dictate <laughs> which force i do so i'll do either thousand points of deepkin or sylvaneth and then like i said earlier obviously I've, i'm going to be doing uh empress children in horus mm-hmm. heresy i've almost got 1500 points ready because i forgot yeah. to add i've also bought the betrayal at calf box yeah, set yeah. as well which comes with a lot of um good stuff in there so, so marines yeah. I know. So yeah, you get you get thirty marines, you get five terminators, uh, a praetor, a chaplain, and a contempt of dreadnought. Mm. So and luckily I bought it off eBay yeah, for quite a lot cheaper than <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've got an absolute bargain there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do these other little bits and then all I'm gonna do is those three forces. And mm. if I start doing other things, you over the internet, you slap my wrist. Okay, you've got permission. <laughs> Bad, Matthew. Stop. <laughs> Bad. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Stop looking at other things. Uh... Stay focused. Um, and lastly, because I know <laughs> this hobby stuff is going on a bit. Uh, last stuff. Um, reading wise, um, I've, re- I've read Mechanicum in Horus Heresy. Mm-hmm. I'm halfway through Fallen Angels, uh, which is book eleven, which is. Uh, I, okay it's not brilliant I, I can see why people have got mixed reviews of it it's a bit of a hard one um, I'm actually listening to it on Audible and it's yeah. the the choice of actor or voice actor is probably not the best for it but so be it I'm almost way through it um, I've also read Tales of Heresy which was book um, book 10 which is a very mixed bag of little horse heresy stories. There's some mm. great ones in there, um, yeah. but some, again, some that are a bit debatable. Yeah. Um, I've finished uh, Eisenhorn book two, which is Malleus. Yep. Yep. Which was really good. Oh, the Eisenhorn ones are fantastic for anyone yeah. that's not read or listened to them. Um, so, yeah, recommend those. Um, and I finished Blades of Damocles, which is basically Tau versus Ultramarines yeah. um, novel. Very good it made me really dislike ultramarines i must admit because yeah <laughs> they come across as real like nasty in it you know like yeah as yeah. i wouldn't expect you know i suppose because i get up against the tau and xenos mm. yeah. scum as they say yeah, exactly. so um yeah <laughs> and the last thing yeah and the, my next thing to listen to will be the next of the realm Realmsgate books in Age of Sigmar, which yeah. is book four, which I think is Hammers of Sigmar. So that'll be the next okay. one I'm going to listen to. And yeah, that's all my hobby stuff. Warhammer World, lots of miniatures, lots of reading. It's Ooh. been busy. <laughs> this has been, a, I think, pretty sure this has been our longest hobby section by a country, Mike. Absolutely, definitely. <laughs> which is actually, we've actually got something decent to talk yeah, about. Yeah, true. We've been doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> we're, we're getting active now. Oh, <laughs> we're going, good. literally going to places. Mm, I left my house for the first time in years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was in the local newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, um, so yeah, that's been the <laughs> this episode's hobby stuff. Um, apologies, it's been a bit longer than normal, but like I said, we've had a lot to talk mm. about this one. Um, so we'll take a quick break, 
um, needed. And then when we come back, we'll see what's been going on in the news. All right, so we'll be back soon. Hello and welcome back. It's news time. Hooray. Um, <laughs> this this episode's news, like I said, is not going to be probably as long as uh, previous episodes because, well, we, a, a, this isn't Warhammer Fest again. <laughs> B, it's just not been a massive amount of news. So we'll we'll just quickly go over the sort of highlights the last couple mm. of weeks so we can get into the, uh, the main law stuff uh, the rest of the show. Yeah, right, yeah. so... What's been going on? Uh, so, Age of Sigmar, we've had a few little tidbits of some of the new rules that yeah. have been that are going to be coming out in the next edition, uh, like you said, uh, next month. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah. So, Cameron, do you want to sort of dive into some of these, explain what's yeah. been going on? So, there's been great controversy in the Age of Sigmar community because of one particular thing. <laughs> Summoning no longer <laughs> costs points. Um mm. So, uh, this is specifically for match play. It didn't cost points for open or narrative before anyway. Um, but the idea is that everyone's like, oh god, it'll be so unbalanced now because some, some armies will just be able to summon waves of additional models and armies that can't summon won't be able to. Um, and the official response to this is every army has some form of summoning, even if it's explained differently law-wise. So, like, you know, for Skaven, it might be more of them burrow up from under the ground, and that's how you summon, quote, quote marks, a unit. Um, Like you said, it could work for pretty much all of them, because, like you said, the the overlords could just fly in. Yeah, yeah. The Seraphon would just literally just get summoned in. Mm, Even the Stormcast, you know, they could just be... just popped in by sigma here you go yeah exactly so, yeah no that makes, that um, makes perfect sense yeah and th- there's some previews for stuff like that like um for the sylvaneth the branch which has a once per game ability where she can summon a particular unit it's either you know 20 dryads or three kernel hunters or a tree lord mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's a once per game summon she gets to help balance the field effectively um and like for if you if your army isn't heavy on summoning mechanics, it will be something like that. You will literally have a unit or an army ability that says once per game you get to do this kind of summoning thing, or once per turn, depending how powerful it is. But for yeah. armies such as Blades of Corn and Maggotkin of Nurgle and the Hosts of Slanesh and things like that, uh, the armies that and you know Seraphon, the armies that have legitimate reasons for summoning, as in we are actually summoning something, not reinforcements, some way, whatever. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to be based around different systems, so they previewed Hostess and Lesh will be getting what's called depravity points, which is for every wound your your heroes deal that doesn't kill someone, and for every wound they take that doesn't kill them, you get a point. You get enough points, you can summon demons in, things like that. Um, Corn already has blood tithe points, Nurgle already has contagion points. Um, I forget exactly what it is the Seraphon have to do to get points to summon units, but it's, you know, it's a fluffy, appropriate thing, effectively. And I think this is good because the fact that summoning costs reinforcement points and isn't guaranteed to happen basically means it was never done in matched play, which mm-hmm. I don't think is what they intended. Uh, so this is like... Okay, so it was kind of powerful when only certain people did it, so we reined it back, and now we want it to be back in because we wanted to be part of the game, so everyone gets it somehow in yeah. one way or another which is awesome yeah, yeah. Um, i think it i think it makes sense fluff wise as well because the mm. age of sigmar and the mortal realms are, 
like again, I know I'm repeating myself, but you know, the <laughs> rules are not the are not the same anymore. You know, you can oh, just yeah. throw units in now. This is mm. you know, it's a very magical place now. <laughs> it's yeah. not like the old world where armies are just trudging all the way around places. Mm. Um, you know, this this should be the way where two forces meet each other and then they get reinforcements. That's yeah, you know, they get summoned in as um as mm. and when they should be able to um actually going back to this what you're saying about seraphon yeah, looking it. at it i think they generate generate points by performing rituals with the the slant star masters oh. and saurus astrolith bearers so as okay, they do rituals that's what will yeah. generate the points that's awesome yeah mm-hmm. um so i think we mentioned last week because there were words about it at warhammer fest but no explanation but command points are coming to age of sigma Wow. Um, but Yay. not at all like they do in 40k. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> no. in, in Age of Sigma, command points are a resource that you expend, and that is about where it ends with similarities between Age of Sigma command points and 40k command points. Um, yep. So in Age of Sigma, your leader type units generally have a command ability, and Games Workshop went, there are all these cool command abilities, three are being used. Because you only get <laughs> yeah, the no one's using the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so their solution to this was: every turn at the start of your hero phase, you get a command point that doesn't go away if you don't mm-hmm. use it. So you can store them up, but you spend yep. that command point to use a command ability for any hero in your army. Um, heroes without them, they've also got three generic ones they're introducing. One is the inspiring presence, so don't take battle shock. One is reroll charges, which is really cool. Um, and da, 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 what's the last one? I don't remember. Uh, I think it might have been you get to a treat and advance as a six instead of having to roll for it. Yeah, that's um, right, yes. Yeah. Not but it's double. interesting yeah. because you get command abilities that work outside of the hero phase. Uh, so you can use that as a reactionary command ability. Basically, if a hero is nearby mm-hmm. and you're, you fail a really important charge, you can go, I'll spend my command point. Reroll that charge and probably still fail it, knowing my luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not bitter yeah. at all. <laughs> no. Oh, no, I'm not. Just, you know, a couple of times where it would be nice to get the charge in. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, you, you don't have to spend your command point. So in the first one or two turns, you might not because you're positioning and getting your army ready. You're not ready to really fight. And then you will have some saved up so you can do more than one command ability a turn which is cool just have to spend yep. the prereqs of points uh you can also get additional command points at the start of the game for, i think it's one for each battalion you have and one for every 50 points you are under the point limit for the game oh okay so, i didn't know i knew the battalion one but i didn't know there's a point one as well yeah okay, apparently so uh, their example was if you're doing a 2000 point game and you have 1895 points you get an extra two command points. Yeah. So it's for each okay. full 50, not 50 in part thereof. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's fair yeah, enough. That'd, that'd be a bit dumb. Um, so this seems really interesting. Um, it seems like Archeon is going to have the most powerful command ability now because his command ability is all your other guys use their command abilities. So um, <laughs> with, with Archeon on the field, which admittedly costs a lot of points, you're probably not doing it anywhere below 2,000 uh, point games, nope. uh, but if you've got him, you're essentially almost bypassing the system by using all your command abilities for one dice, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, there were there have also been changes to magic, <coughs> um, specifically casting and binding. 
Uh, casting itself has not changed. Unbinding, but now has a 30 inch range instead of an 18 inch range. They've added a whole foot <laughs> to how far away you can, <laughs> uh, stop spells from happening. Uh, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, it'll allow us for some very early game dispels if you want to stop a key arcane shield, uh, not a mystic shield or whatever. Cool. Um, they have changed the base two spells. So arcane bolt has been changed to, if you get it off, it is one mortal wound instead of D3. But if you get a 10 or more, you get D3. So it's kind of like a worse version of smite from 40k. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. Mystic shield has been changed. Uh, a lot of people aren't happy about this change. I'm very happy about it. Uh, so Mystic Shield originally was you get plus one to your saves, which Nighthawk can't benefit from because they ignore any <laughs> modifiers to their saves. The new version is you reroll ones for your saves, which me yeah. as a Nighthawk player, great, wonderful. <laughs> Hooray! Um, Stormcasts Storm <laughs> who already, for the most part, reroll ones on their saves thanks to their shields and things, they don't care about Mystic Shield anymore. But I think it's good. Um, yeah. There's, there's a little extra about magic in there, which is apparently seven realms. Um, so every realm except Azir, the realm of heavens, um, are all getting artifacts and a full spell law. So there's about 50 new spells coming in that any wizard can use because the, the general idea at the moment that we've not had it fully explained, but, um, you will pick what realm your army is fighting from or where they're coming from before they go into this fight. And you'll be able to pick from that list of spells for your wizards in addition to their mm -hmm. normal spells, which is really that cool. That sounds great. That um, is awesome. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little worried about the one spell they showed off for that, which was pick an enemy unit within range if you manage to cast this, uh, and then just deep strike them on the board anywhere nine inches away from your <laughs> yeah, I saw that unit. And like, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> Dispel <laughs> that one. That one must be dispelled. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the looking at all these new rules, they're just opening up the game more, aren't they? They're just making mm. it more mm. fun. You know, like yeah. said, magic yeah. has a long, has a bigger range now. Command mm. points, you know, mixes things up now. The fa I love the fact that now heroes, you know, can just use their abilities. You know, why, why yeah. limit it yeah. just to your, you know, your your, your general? It's, it, yeah, I just think it's absolutely great. I think mm. it just ma it just makes it. There'll be some really cool combinations coming out of this. People will find yeah. some really good ways of doing this. So now I think it's yeah. all positive. Yeah. Um. I've also got one final bit of info on magic changes in Age of Sigma version two. Uh. This comes hot off the presses from our new main competitor, the Stormcast podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Games Workshops has started an official podcast about Age of Sigma. I'm like, yes, really? They have. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's quite a nice show. It seems they're doing 15 minute episodes three times a week. So cool. Little snippet oh, that's good. every now and yeah. again. Yeah. Um, but they got Jervis Johnson, one of the lead designers for the game, on to talk about mm -hmm. stuff. And he mentioned so we've heard of these endless spells and these predatory spells that are going to come with their own models. Um, once you cast it, you can apparently lose control of it and the enemy can start moving it. Oh, um, that so seems he, interesting. Yeah, he talked about the risk is you cast one of these predatory spells and if there's no enemies nearby, it might go after the closest unit, which could be one of yours or things like that, which is a really <laughs> cool idea. Um, I, I think their example was, I, I love the idea of a wizard casting a spell and the spell just turns around and he's like, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> yeah. 
that sounds awesome. Yeah, so there will be more passive ones, which are the endless spells they talked about. So they you place something, and that gives a buff in an area around it. And there will be these predatory spells, which just apparently you cast it, and it runs around the battlefield, taking chunks out of anything it touches, which is really cool. I'm really into that. I'm really excited for these. Uh, I'm waving my hands around. I know you can't tell in uh, this audio oh, format, but I'm I'm no, really excited. This is all so <laughs> so cool. Um, and uh, I, I mentioned in the hobby section that I learned that um, heroes in Age of Sigma are nowhere near survival as characters in 40k. Uh, there is a bit of a change to that. We have Lookout Sir coming to Look Age out, of Sigma. Sir. Yeah, in it's it's different. It's different to what it was in 40k. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea here is if you have a hero within three inches of a friendly unit that has three or more models, they are at minus one to hit from shooting weapons. Yes. Which I feel is probably about right. Like, it's yeah, not I think as... Fair. Yeah, it's not as crazy as 40k where, oh, so you see my... Over to your left, six inches away, is my Primaris captain. Over to your right, five inches away, is a lone scout sergeant. You cannot shoot the captain. That's a bit dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, and like that's a that's a thing where 40k will eventually work out what they're doing with that, but it's fine. It works in 40k, but in Age of Sigma, there are some really strong shooting armies, and then everyone else is basically mostly melee. Um, and this sort of reins in the ability for your key support units to be immediately wiped out first turn, which is great because yeah. that happened to me today. Rest in peace, Knight of Shroud. Uh, <laughs> Sniped by a battle cannon from a Caradron <laughs> oh, no. barge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's cool. Um, that's that's the, the majority of the changes they previewed so far. So, yep. we're getting... I still can't get over the fact that we're getting, like, 49, 50 spells and I know similar that amount I of artifacts. <laughs> that's mind-boggling, isn't it? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm really excited for the idea that we might get to pick our realm of origin as part of our army yeah. list as well, because that feels great, because it's going to be good for theming armies. Like, I can see a person who's like, I know it's not the best choice, but I always play as I'm coming from Shaiish, because I've modeled yeah. all these gravestones and things like that onto my army. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really cool. I'm really looking forward to diving in in yeah, probably it just, it just gives two episodes at the time. End of the day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, yeah. I can imagine two episodes from now I'll be sitting here at the desk with also a giant box of things to look through and be like, Look, <laughs> look at this is Age of Sigma second edition. Oh, look at it. I know you can't see it. We're on a podcast, but please look. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I th- like, I, like I said before, I think when Age of Sigma 2 comes out and we look at mm. the book that's gonna come with it, because oh, like I said we know that's I'm so that's excited a beast for that of- book. I, the maps. That is going to be a. It, I think realistically, like, realistically, that's going to be a two-parter. I think oh, we're going to yeah. have to oh, yeah. be prepared. We're going to have to. It's either that, <laughs> or we do nothing. We do nothing but the news that week. Yeah, that might be all it. that. Yeah, that'll be a special uh, episode. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> so tangentially related. Um, so they've been doing these faction focuses to explain a sort of the background on each faction for new players, and to explain some changes that might be coming in the future. In Hosts of Slanesh, mm-hmm. we got a map of where Slanesh is, and I'm calling it now, Slanesh is suspiciously close to Shadespire. <laughs> like, really? Oh, I haven't looked at Right that next okay. door. Um, so it's, there's the, there's, uh, what is it? It's Ulgu and Haish, the realms of shadow and light, and mm-hmm. directly in between them is Slanesh, and then directly in front of Slanesh is Shadespire. And I'm like, 
is this how they're going to bring him in? Like, Shade Spire Edition 1 effectively is thrown out the window because Slanesh breaks out and just devours Mm -hmm. all the adventurers in there and then runs away and, you know, starts building his strength up again. Like, I'm really excited because they keep piling on all this stuff. They're like, Games Workshop is like, listen, I know it's been three years. We're really tired of people saying we killed Slanesh. We didn't. (laughs) He's right here. Look, (laughs) he's on the map. He's on the map. (laughs) Um, <laughs> so th- that's been our Slanesh update for today. He's there. He's right there. He's right next to Shade Spy. He's going to break out and eat all the Shade Spy warbands. Clearly, it's, um, it's, it's quite a good theory actually because I know that from what I yeah. read that the there's a good chance that they're doing Shade Spire in sort of different editions and waves because obviously mm. technically mm. Shade Spire the game the book is yeah. actually Warhammer Underworlds. Underworlds. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so it's actually there's a good chance that. That if they do something dramatic to Shade Spire, then mm. Shade Spire the game will move to Warhammer Underworlds, you know, whatever the next name yeah. of it's going to be. So uh, Light yeah, Tower, I, can, I don't know. Yeah, let's we'll call it now, Light Tower. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, I can, I can, I can, <laughs> I can see that happening actually. Yeah, so now yeah. fair point. Yeah, cool. I'm really excited for the future of Age of Sigma, and the it's looking good. They, they're listening. Oh my god. Yeah. So, um, there's, there, there have been other things out though, Matt. I hear there's some yeah. clowns, uh, running some, around. Yeah. Did, 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 did. Um, yeah. <laughs> Harlequin's Codex is now out. Um, uh, so that's going to please a lot of people because there's a, you know, there's, Harlequins are a bit of a specialist force for a lot of people mm. and, um, and, and, and acquired taste, like a fine wine, like a, a fine wine with a, with some clown lipstick on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, I, I I must admit, I'm not uh, a Harlequins. No, I don't say I'm not a Harlequins fan because that sounds like I don't like them. I just they're just a, a force. I think, oh, cool, yeah, they're they're nice mm. for people. I mean, painting them, I won't even touch them. Oh um, yeah, just, they're, yeah, they're far too intimidating. I, but, I look um, at them and I'm like, no, I can't do you with washes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, I've got to do little little squares and triangles. No, no, no. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> So, uh, but no, it's, yeah, like I said, the, the Harlequins Codex now, supposedly from what I've seen, the initial vibes is it's a good codex. They're quite mm. solid. But like yeah. I said, they've always been a bit of a specialist force. Um, yeah. Obviously, they can be part of a um, Yanari force anyway. Mm-hmm. So a uh, combined force with Craftworld and um, Drukari. So, so yeah, all good. Like I said, yeah. uh, it's quite good as well. Is the, I know it's a little thing, but the fact the codex is a bit cheaper than the others because obviously it's slightly mm. smaller. So well, it's over here like it's twenty pounds. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But I think from what I've seen, again, they've done little tweaks like death jesters are a lot. I've had a bit of a good buff to them because mm. they were supposedly a bit useless. Yeah, uh, yeah. or not as good. So it's you mm. know they've they've balanced them out. So no, yeah. happy what days. Heard, Another what codex. I've heard is they've changed every heavy weapon to an assault weapon, and that's basically the the entire list of changes. Is that they yeah. can now run and shoot with literally everything. Which makes um, sense. That's yeah. That's what exactly. they should be able to do. That's the the way mm. they they work. But you know, again, they're got they're they're the epitome of a glass cannon. So <laughs> no, I yeah. think that's that's awesome. So yep, happy Harlequin players. Yep, uh, yep. Right, Good what else is next? Um, I'll very briefly cover this. Um, yeah, Forge World last chance to buy. Like I said earlier, you know, when I was there, that they've started. Um, <laughs> like I said getting rid of some of their old stock, which has caused a lot of controversy. Um, yeah, obviously there's a lot of 
you know, diehard heresy players out there naturally, um, and obviously losing out on certain things. I think what's hurt the situation is the fact that Forge World have not really come out and explained why, which, you know, whereas yeah, they, they, kind they of, sure did to a degree. They kind of did but, at one But the not, yeah. I, yeah. It did. I know, basically, the, the bottom line is these are, these are particular parts that, aren't selling well and they obviously yeah you know they're, they're a small team over there they need to move stock it co- you know it costs money so they just realized that we haven't got room for this stuff anymore so we're gonna get rid of it i mean there's always a chance that some of it will be made in plastic in the future i mean they're yeah, not categorically yeah. said that but that's you can never rule that out mm. i can understand people's frustration I must admit, yeah. even with oh, me, yeah. who's now getting into heresy i was a bit like oh really <laughs> but you know it mm. it it's the way things sometimes have to be. I know it's frustrating, yeah, but they yeah. they would have done it for good reason. I, oh, I, yeah, I, I genuinely absolutely. believe that. So yeah, so yeah, I, I can understand people getting annoyed. Yeah. The only issue um, with it is that really they're really unclear about it. Like it will be like at Warhammer Fest they went, it's happening because plastic sales are better than resin sales, and we these are yes. the units that are doing the worst. And then like two days later, that suddenly there was this entire list of things in the last chance to buy a bin, and there was no prior notice like people weren't yes. getting emailed about it it's just like oh i was checking the website and this thing i really wanted is suddenly going to Out go stock, away yeah. forever yeah um <laughs> and to me and to me what they should have done is similar to what they did with um is it the warhammer legends where they're basically going mm. right you've got a week we're going to do yeah. a special batch you've got a week and then it's good then it just gives everyone mm. a chance or, or actually make it a bit longer because obviously you've got to consider yeah. people have got paydays and things like yeah, that I think like, yeah. give it a month if it was possible mm. give it a month then everyone's paid during that time at some point and, and hopefully. hopefully and then <laughs> then they can uh, you know so i i again i can i can understand why people were miffed but it's yeah. just the way things are going i think it's not as bad as it as it could be to be fair it's not it's not um, the end of the horus heresy so. No, is that, it really isn't. It, you know, because again, that's where a lot of scaremongering has happened, where people are saying that Heresy's on the way out. They, they've still got a new book. The eighth book is yeah. coming out, Malevolence, oh, later yeah. this year. It, it, there's there's years still to go on it, you know, mm. so uh, mm. don't worry about that. Um, talking of controversy. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Let's talk about Warhammer Adventures. Right, now, mm-hmm. one thing I will say before we get into War, uh, Warhammer Adventures um, because it's been a very controversial subject on the internet. Yeah. Um, for anyone listening, we, me and Cameron have got a positive view of it. And if anyone's listening, who's got a negative view of it, that's absolutely fine. Like I said, we're just, but you know, like I said, we're not trying to be positive to, you know, to antagonize people that are not positive about it. It's just, you know, cause we're all entitled to our opinions, our, ours, mm. yours, you know, it's, it's all good. It's not like I said, it's cause I know there's been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of arguing yeah. online and it's like, I said, it's not to create an argument. It's just, you know, we, we're <laughs> of a positive view of it. Um, so Warhammer Adventures is, uh, basically uh, going to be a set of books for eight to 12 year olds, mm-hmm. uh, which, um, is going to have a, you know, a cartoony, uh, sort of theme to it. Um, and you know, the, obviously the main purpose of it is, is to get, you know, kids of that age into Warhammer. That is 
yeah. you know, the, the basic bit of it. It's just for younger readers. So there's going to be basically two sort of initial versions, um, Age of Sigmar and a 40K one. So the Age of Sigmar yeah. one is going to be called Realm Quest, the City of Lifestone. Um, and the 40K one is going to be Warped Galaxies, Attack of the Necron. Um, just one, just one Necron. Yeah, just one Necron. It's literally just <laughs> one. Ne- well, actually, if you look at the front cover, it's literally just one Necron and yeah. one Ultramarine. So, I mean, um, that that keeps the stakes realistic, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the, it's, kid, it's, the kids have a chance I, of helping out in that case. <laughs> exactly, and you know, I, the key thing that people need to take from this is well, mm. two main things. Again, yeah, it is to get kids into Warhammer. You know, mm. they've got plenty of years to get into the filthy grim dark <laughs> universes that are truly there yeah. you know, it, but at the end of the at the end of the day it, if it gets people or younger people into the hobby it's more players it's more people more future painters future hobbyists mm. that's it, it it's then there's more chance of them spending money therefore games workshop will keep, carry on rolling for you know like it, it's all yeah. positive yeah. It's just more people is a good thing and also the mm. second thing i would add is that because I know some people from a lore and canon point of view were a bit mm. um, upset by it. It's its own thing. It does, Anything mm. that happens in these stories is completely outside the lore of oh, yeah. Age of Sigmar and 40K, that it is completely mm. separate. And that's what, that's the way you do, to me, that's the best way of looking at it. Yeah. It's a little, you know, a little thing for, you know, for the kids to enjoy. And if it gets mm. them into the, the hobby, they've got all the rest of it to come. And if, yeah, it, if they're exactly. not, then... So, you know, there's nothing really to lose out of it. That is the yeah. way I see it. I think you're probably it the same, Cameron. You. Yeah. Yeah, that's the simple it, it doesn't affect you. If you don't you know, want to read, still it, got, don't read it, <laughs> Yeah, that's it. It's not It's not meant for us. <laughs> it's meant for, for kids. And, yeah. you know, we, we've got all the lovely, great, you know, dark stuff oh, that yeah. we like talking about <laughs> and, and playing. Another so. 50 books in the Horus Heresy series. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, I, like I said, I think it's a good thing. And, um, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's the, the best way to leave it. It's, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a win-win situation. Yeah. So, um, right. It's a fine. couple of little extra bits <laughs> and then we'll wrap this up for news, yeah. news wise anyway. Um, video game wise, Space Hulk Deathwing is now out on the PS4 and well, it's yeah, the enhanced yeah. edition. So they've mm. done, there's an enhanced edition for the PC because it was out, I don't know, about a year or so ago yeah, on PC and I said it's now on PS4. Randomly, it got withdrawn for the Xbox One because it was originally going to be on that as well. Mm. But then literally yeah. in the last month, they decided not They've to been but, having okay. development or optimization troubles or something. Yeah, I, I, f- I feel bad I know, for the Xbox but, players, but yeah, because it's like, oh, come on, <laughs> but like, but it yeah. sort of falls in line really with the other the other Warhammer video games because you've got like mm. Space Hulk, Space Hulk yeah. Extension, um, Warhammer Quest. They're all on PS4, but I don't think they're mm. on Xbox One. So I, you know, yeah. it's probably just, I don't know. There's there's I'm obviously sure reasons Roman for Tide it. Made it across, but true, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, like I said, it's a obviously Space Hulk uh, first person game. Um, I'm probably going to get it this weekend. Oh yeah, I really want to play it. Sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, I remember playing Space Hulk uh, Vengeance of the Blood Angels on the PlayStation One, mm. um, which was really old school. Uh, for, you know, Blood Angels fighting Gene yeah. Stealers. Um, yeah. I just remember because the the um, your character would sometimes go, I can smell them. <laughs> like, you just, and you just kept repeating that one line. It's like, <laughs> okay, you've got great nostrils. You're like we a understand. dog. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> um, uh, so, 
yeah so that's out um over here mm. it's about 30 pounds it's, it's got mixed reviews yeah. you know i yeah. think so but they, but then most you know warhammer games often mm. do generally yeah. you know they like, unless you're sort of in uh, total like you know i know the total war war, total total war and war. vermintide 2 are apparently very very good yes. yeah yeah I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to get this, um, not based on any reviews, but because I've seen a lot of gameplay from it. Because it's been out on PC for like a year, like you said. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to walk through the space vessels of the Imperium. Like, I want because they 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 have the most fantastic environments. I got to yes. say, say what you yeah. want about the actual gameplay and stuff, but like, you know, you walk into a room and there's this enormous like. 20 foot tall bell hanging in the middle yeah. of this room filled with <laughs> banks of cogitators and all these engravings in the walls and this massive vaulted ceiling it's gorgeous like i just want to explore and see what they've made and they'll probably be happy with that even if it's not an what, amazing what, game whilst fighting off random gene stealers <laughs> oh so many gene stealers <laughs> go away i'm trying to i'm trying to look at this vase i'm trying to appreciate <laughs> the architecture yeah but no you're right i, I was watching some gameplay on youtube mm. the last couple of days and it it just looks really good i mean like i said yeah. i'm sure it, I've, I've heard it's a bit buggy but you know get over that <laughs> yeah I'm sure, you know as in, I'm, as in i'm i will get over that um <laughs> and uh i didn't mean that to everyone's like get over it no i don't mean that um and you know you can upgrade your characters you've got mm. you know some really cool weaponry um there's randomly generated missions um multiplayer there's some cool um aesthetic um unlocks as well unlocking yeah. different yeah you know and there's like there's named weapons like artifacts and things like that mm. um so yeah i you know i'm like i said i'm buying it tomorrow when i go out yeah. nice. <laughs> i've already decided so nice. so yeah so that's um space hulk deathwing and yep. our last little bit of news um <laughs> going yeah we're almost there uh yeah. <laughs> warbands are now going to be available to buy separately um, yes. As in, i.e., not with you know, without the cards and things like that. Mm. Literally, so there'll be a. I haven't seen the price, but they'll be obviously a bit cheaper than the normal yeah, warbands. Assume it'll be like two thirds to three quarters. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I mean, over here they're about seventeen, eighteen pounds. So I imagine yeah. it'll be about yeah. I don't know thirteen, fourteen mm. pounds, something like that. Yeah. Um, which is cool. I mean, it's twofold really. Obviously, it means you can have a warband, but if you're not fussed about the cards that come with it, i.e., you've got other mm. warbands, then great and only spend the money um yeah. also secondly the warbands all actually have rules for age of sigma yeah. as well they so, are special units yeah yeah exactly and also it's good for people for uh painters mm. as well if they just want the miniatures and not fussed about the cards that yeah. come with it you just want the models because they oh, look yeah. good exactly so um you know I'd again also say it's good for new hobbyists because the shades by minis are all really good push fits um, yes so like if if you're not interested in the basic easy to build stuff, because for Age of Sigma it's only Blood Warriors or Liberators basically, yeah. um, you're like, but dwarves look cool or skeletons look cool. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So no, I, again, all good really. I think it's a, a oh, cool yeah. little idea. So um, yeah, so that's all the little bits of news we've had in the last uh, couple hooray. of weeks. So hooray. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll take um, a little break now. And then mm-hmm. when we get back, we will talk about the main law topic where we're going to yes, get yes. our vermin on. And, Are scary? Uh, <laughs> yes. And we're going to talk about the Skaven. <laughs> and welcome back. It's uh, main law topic time. We're talking about the rat boys, the vermin, the Skaven, the backstabbers. 
whatever lovely names you want to give them. So yeah, so we decided this uh, this episode we're going to talk. I said talk about the Skaven uh, just to give everyone a gist of what they're about. Um, we'll cover them from a Warhammer fantasy, the the world that was, uh, which will be the mass vast majority of it, because the Age of Sigmar stuff is sort of playing catch up from a Skaven point of view. But we will talk about what's what's been going on in Age of Sigmar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just to you know to sort of get people up to speed with what this particular race is about, because I think for a lot of players they know who the Skaven are, but don't often know sort of how they work and how they integrate. They're just, just rat people, but they're, they're a lot more to them. They, they're, they're deep. Mm. They got, well, they're actually not deep, but uh, from a personal <laughs> point of view, but we'll get into that. So, so yeah, where do we start? So let's start with some of the generalities of the Skaven. Mm. So what is a Skaven? What is a Skaven? <laughs> do, do. Um, right, so, um, yeah, so the Skaven, are, like I say, are rat people, a combination of, well, like a, uh, uh, they're more, I don't know, I suppose they're more rats than human. Mm. Well, I don't know, actually, it's what a, do you say? Are they more rat than human or the other way around? Uh, I'd say so. It, they're basically a bipedal rat, you know, yes. three to four feet tall, hunched mm-hmm. over a lot. Uh, they've got the little rat hands, which I love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's little rat hands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, how exactly. rats be always yeah. doing things with their hands. Yeah, they're very good with their hands, um, and yeah, like like you said, they're 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 literally a you know a cross between a human and a rat. Even though categorically we don't know that for a fact, mm. actually, that's actually yeah. a bit of a mysterious subject. But you know, visualizing it, that's what they uh, they basically look like. They're very. Um, uh, very malnourished a lot of them not all of them but mm. again we'll get into that but they're, they're very yeah. mal- malnourished because they burn because they're very you know agility and speed over strength mm. they do burn a yeah. lot of energy off um yeah. from a you know biological point of view so they're often seen as quite scrawny and in mm. constant need of <laughs> feeding <laughs> Food. yeah they're hungry <laughs> they're hungry boys and girls mm. um so mostly yeah boys, so basically actually. Well, they're yes, they're mainly boys. I, I feel but we they should do... point out every skaven you see on the tabletop is male. Um, yes, the females are locked away. Uh, yes, and they're, they're given the society. lovely name of breeders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So basically, they they are unfortunately, the, you know, in the in this law, the the the, uh, the female skaven are only just to breed more skaven. Mm. You know, but well, the, um, the thing yeah. is, because they're a chaos race, the females are these giant monsters. They're said to be like six yeah. to seven times the size of a normal skaven, and all they do is lie there and like take yes. care of young. It's yeah. really creepy and weird, and it really sells them as this weird... They're like a corruption of proper society. Yeah, they're... Like what they're meant to be. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're mm. an absolute vile race, ultimately. They're, they're evil, they're cruel, they're diabolical. <laughs> they're literally all they're the funny. things of evil. Yeah, they're funny, they're quirky. <laughs> um, but yeah, ultimately they're a very evil race. They're, you know, mm. I know it's, they're, they're almost stereotypical, but they are literally the epitome of, of evil, but, but a selfish mm. evil as well. That's a very yeah. key point to yeah. understand. Um, you know, they're, they're very, f- focused on backstabbing on um you know being blameless of things they're very a very paranoid uh race as well um mm. you know you to understand the skaven you, you to, or to put things in perspective you know a, a typical skaven um only generally lasts about a couple of years in age mm. i mean in theory they should last about 20 plus years and some of them can through you know, biology and magic and augmentation and things like that. But ultimately a Skaven 
you know, typical Skaven doesn't last very long, ultimately, because no. they're in an environment and in a social society where, you know, they're all out for themselves. Every Skaven mm. thinks they are the best Skaven that's ever existed. <laughs> Literally, that is the, that is the yeah. way they are. They think yeah. they're the greatest and everyone else is under them. Um, so, you know, you, so from a hierarchy point of view, you know, obviously there is a hierarchy. You've got, you know, the ones at the mm. top and ones at the bottom, but even the ones at the top can easily get to the bottom. You know, they, they're they only literally a, you know, stabbing away from being, <laughs> you know, from being taken off the top. You know, it's a very, uh, I'm going to say it, rat eat rat, <laughs> <laughs> you know, society. Well, that is all. Yeah, quite literally. They're, they're, they're yes, they will. fine with cannibalism and all the other they taboo are. subjects. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> they, they're, they're a funny race in the sense that they're a race that, if they put their minds to it, they would, you know, in, in again, we're, we're mm. talking in the world that was pre yeah. Age of Sigma. They, they're a race that would have easily taken it over if they oh, put yeah. their mind to it. They've got yeah. the numbers, the technology, the will, and but again, mainly the numbers to do it. It's mm. just because yeah. of their constant infighting and mm. selfish attitudes. They just never achieved it. <laughs> that's, the, yeah. that's the simple, yeah. the simple fact. Um, and um, we can't understate the numbers. Like specifically yes. in the old world, the Warhammer Fantasy world, that was a set world with a set size and fairly set populations as well. So you know, the Empire has no more than this many million people. There were billions of Skaven because yes. they covered the entire planet. Well, the t- entire underside of the planet, mm-hmm. effectively. Yeah, uh, they were everywhere. It was insane. Um, there's yeah. even more now because Age of Sigmar is bigger, but it was a, <laughs> it was bigger proportionally back in the day. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, is that is that it's it's like the real current real life, you know, whether you you know, we hear statements like you know, you know you're only five meters away from a rat at all times and things like that. That is literally. <laughs> how it was in that world they, yeah. they're just this sheer numbers i mean basically that like you like cameron said they their sort of world or realm is the the under empire in the in the mm. old world God, um, i love that title <laughs> yeah, under empires brilliant <laughs> as you'd imagine an empire underground in tunnels yeah. etc uh, as well um yes yeah, literally the <laughs> under under the empire um yeah. the capital is or was i should say well, sort of it, is because it's it still is, is uh, yeah it still is technically uh, Skaven Blight. Yeah, that's the capital city. Um, we'll talk about in in a bit. We'll talk about how it was before that, which was uh, Kasvar. Um, so yeah, and they, I mean they've got from a hierarchy. Going back to the hierarchy and things like that, they yeah. they've got a caste system where it's all mm. down to fur color. So you yes. basically got a situation where. If you're born grey and you've got horns, you're mm-hmm. going to be basically be a gracier, which is their versions mm-hmm. of a priest slash wizard. Yeah. Um, yep. If you're black, it means you're a killer. Uh, so black mm-hmm. fur means you're, you're generally either going to be a storm vermin, which is the the elite soldiers of the Skaven mm-hmm. um, fundamentally, or you potentially will be an assassin, uh, assassin yep. of like Clan Eshin, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're an albino or grey fur, but you don't have the horns, then you're going to be the guard, the storm vermin mm-hmm. guard of the council, I believe. Was it? Yes, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think it's the council. Yeah. Um and if you're brown, which is the vast majority, you're the mm. jet. Well, you're the general population. So you'll be, yeah. you know, you can still be in the army, but you'll just be one of the lower rank <laughs> soldiers, yeah. or you'll be a worker. Yeah. You know, 
so be it. You're you know the bottom level of the mm. of the cast. Um, mm. And if you're born and, with no fur because you're a man thing, you're a slave. Yes, that as well. You know, yeah, like like Cameron said, slaves are again a fundamental thing. All the all the clans and the great clans. Again, we're going to talk about having slaves, having sheer numbers is a massive you know part. And again, when we oh. come to the the armies, again, that's yeah. a hierarchy. Again, slaves first, then the mm. uh, the brown furred you know clan rats. Then you've got yeah. the, you know the yeah. black uh, furred ones, and then the greys yeah. at the top. So like, it's. Um, I've, I've, I remember because I used, I tried to get into Warhammer Fantasy literally a few years before it ended, but I kind of dropped out of the hobby before that happened. Um, and I tried to get in with Skaven. Um, I wrote a feasible list, like feasible to play, not feasible to build, because it was a 2000 point list and it had a yep. thousand slaves and then a whole <laughs> bunch of warlords and war machines. And it was like, I looked at it and I was like, that would probably be actually a pretty good list. As in, it would work well because you have all these meat shields and you've got great war engines, you've got decent heroes. And I went, I don't want to build a thousand slaves, though. <laughs> so I'm never going to do that. If <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> skeletons were bad, <laughs> don't mm. do slaves. <laughs> One point a model. Why not take oh, all your no. points and slaves? <laughs> oh, God. Imagine that lugging that to the store. <laughs> mm. oh, you wow. shot with three boxes. Like, what is that? Oh, that's my troops. Let me get the other box with my HQs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, so so sort of going back to again the hierarchy and the way they they are like I said they all you know it is like you said about fighting in numbers but again the the inviting in, in inviting in fighting <laughs> is a very crucial thing. You know, it is it is very all about focus, deceit, cunning. It you know, it's about it's basically saying what can I gain? At all times, yeah. every Skaven yeah. is going. What can I gain out of this? And mm. and and what's I always find quite amusing about them is, like I said earlier, they're blameless. Every time something goes wrong, it oh, is yeah. some another Skaven's oh, yeah. fault, regardless. <laughs> even if it is their fault, they yeah, will blame someone yeah. else for doing it. They yeah, are. Have you, um, they, have you read the Godrex and Felix series? I haven't actually, which is probably a bit of a sin. Okay. But no, um, I've never, I've never done. Yeah. It. So there's a very prominent character, which is Gracia Thankwall, uh, who's, I think, like, the only surviving character for the Skaven from the world that was. But um, it is always Gotrek and Felix's fault that Gracia Thankwall's plans go awry. It's definitely not the <laughs> fact that he keeps backstabbing his own minions because he thinks they're a threat <laughs> or because he keeps being a coward and running away for a tactical retreat when if he had stayed, he would have won and things like that. It's so great. I love that aspect of them is because <laughs> as much as they're evil they're really comedic because they're they're yeah they're the um they're the disney villain they're the they each of them is a tiny tiny megalomaniac mm-hmm. and i love them so much for that <laughs> awesome no but that that like i said that just summarizes them so well you know they 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 don't believe in things like friends or family you know that these things mm. these things mm. that are so crucial to other races especially obviously humans they yeah. just don't care about them there's nothing there's no significance <laughs> no love nothing it's literally it's me as a skaven and that's all that matters ultimately mm. but one sort of crucial thing that does matter to them particularly is the horned rat now the horned rat is mm. their main god and well their only god and deity yes. really um the horned rat is a has connections with the chaos gods. Well, I mean, literally, he does now. In I mean, he is actually Sigma. a chaos god now. Um, yes, which is cool. 
uh, yeah, I can not show up in 40k. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be a bit, well, that'll be interesting to explain. Um, so I think yeah, it'd be so the whole actually, but yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll be awesome. I don't know how would they do. Yeah, well, well, because well, <laughs> I, I I like the idea that Age of Sigma and 40k are in different universes, but they're mm-hmm. connected by the warp. And yes. the reason a lot of Slanesh stuff hasn't been happening in 40k lately is because he's been chained up. Yeah, in, literally in Age of Sigma. It's a meta explanation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like mm-hmm. the idea that the horned rat is becoming really important now in Age of Sigma, I would like the idea that a rift opens one day and all these rat people just fall out, yeah. pick up a bunch of bolters and go, we're the new 40k faction, guys, hi. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose they could be seen to be similar to the one, oh, what the ones you call in, the ones in Necromunda, or used to be an old school Necromunda, mm. the rat skins, oh, rat I can't skins? remember now. Something like that. Something like that. I, there know, was a, I know there was an old rat. school Necromunda gang. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know they were more, they were human more than anything, but, mm. you know, they could be a, you know, I suppose similar to a, like a gene stealer cult or something like that, mm. something where they just yeah. inhabit worlds and then they're sort of, you know, a rat, literally a, a futuristic Wrapped person, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. No, oh, I think I'd yeah, help. yeah, it'd be cool. But, uh, but that'd be cool. Fantasizing yeah. aside, fantasizing yes. aside, actual yes. law, Sorry. actual law. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's just <laughs> our dreams. Um, yeah. yeah. So go back the to horned the horned rat. rats. Yes. So horned rat, uh, like I said, is the main deity of the Skaven. Now th- that is one common area that they can sort of almost all agree on. Like I said, putting aside mm. everything that all the infighting, the survival, the one thing that that will always make Skaven agree on something is the horn yeah. rat. His yeah. word is He's... final. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh... um, <laughs> I was going to say, basically he, you know, he's, like I said, he has connections to the uh, the Chaos Gods, mm. but the Skaven are actually obsessed with him. You know, there's no, yeah. like I said, the, the good thing is compared to the other Chaos Gods where they're all sort of, you know, to in and fro in and playing mm. off each other. He's like, you know, he's top rat. Oh, so yeah. top dog. Yeah. You know, he, he doesn't have any rivals. In no. And, and, it, and it keeps him, fo- ironically, it sort of, he comes in when they need focusing. Because again, because of mm. how unfocused the Skaven are, <laughs> he has to come in. And when we talk yeah. about some of the Civil War, he, he basically comes in and, you know, and says, right, you need to, <laughs> you need to sort yourselves out. But his whole mm. thing is, you know, similar to Nurgle, it's all about plague and pestilence. It's all about spreading, yeah. you know. Yeah carnage and disease to the you know to the rest of the world like there's actually been a lot of discussion on reddit lately about this and i think the general consensus people has come to is you know corn is slaughter nurgle is death and decay zinch is change and hope slanesh is excess and lust and the horned rat is ruin yeah like it desires nothing but the destruction of everything that isn't skaven yes it and it does it in various ways, you know, like, they ally themselves with Nurgle a lot because they love spreading plagues and diseases. Yeah, common thing. Nurgle, yep. But Nurgle does that because he loves the plague and he likes to watch yeah. it grow because it's an yeah. organism itself. And the Horned Rat does it because the plague kills everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's, yeah. you know, same common theme, but different goals <laughs> at the end of mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... <clears throat> <laughs> One other key, you know, key part of the the Horn Rat is that you know, going, going on these same lines, the Skaven crave to be like him. He is like, mm. even though this is it slightly contradicts what I said earlier, where they they think they're the most important Skaven, but they they do would mm. you know look up to him so much that that is he is the epitome of what the Skaven yeah. should be. Yeah. Um, He's the ultimate goal. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. That's the way, best way of looking at it. I mean, he 
there's times throughout their history where they have to literally make sacrifices to him. And we're talking like thousands of, you know, sacrifices per day, ah, especially, yeah. especially if There's they lose. For them. <laughs> no, it's not, exactly. I mean, and sometimes it's not sacrificing themselves. It can be sacrificing oh, yeah. the other races, but mm. especially if they lose at battle, they, you know, mm. they, they look at, you know, they have this sort of thought that he won't be appeased by what they've done. No. You know, they've not created enough slaughter and, and, and ruin, like you, like you said, Cameron, mm. where, they have to make up for it. So if they have to kill off <laughs> thousands <laughs> of their, you know, their hordes, then that is what they'll do to keep him happy. Mm. So yeah. he is a, like I said, a very prominent uh, character in the law, understandably. Um, <laughs> right. So where should we go next? Um, Cameron, do you want to talk, should we talk about the, the doom of Kasvar? Cause that's, um, yeah. yeah. Talking about their so, origins. Um, yeah, the origins of the Skaven are mysterious indeed. Um, so there was once an ancient city in the world that was called Kasvar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, now I'm not, I'm 100% on the details, so feel free to interrupt and fill me in. But the generally, the story goes that a mysterious stranger came to the city and offered to help them with their vermin problem. I believe it's a yeah, Pied Piper style tale. No, it's sort of. It, basically, mm. it's there's a there was this great city of men and dwarves um mm. that basically all good you know the the the, yeah. the dwarves yeah. were good at what they do built you know and and basically the humans were not slaves but they did a lot of the grunt work mm. basically but yeah. it all worked that everyone's happy you know prime example of a of a of a city but once uh, at some point they just between the pair of them uh, the two different races they decided that to be you know thankful to god their gods um mm. they wanted to build basically this sort of tower temple combination mm. that would be that okay. would basically reach you know like like a ladder to heaven it would literally reach up into the sky yeah, yeah. and yeah. and uh, you know to to worship them but basically the problem they faced um is they were having trouble getting the stone to the top as it, you know, the bigger uh, it got, they yeah, had, had a problem yeah. getting, you know, building any further. So you have this situation mm. where people, it's going on for so long that, that men are dying and then their mm. sons and grandchildren are taken over from them. So it yeah, was going yeah. on for generations. Um, <laughs> and like you said, uh, a stranger appears to basically say, I'll, I'll sort, mm. I'll sort your, your temple out for you. Yeah. Yeah. And helps build the temple lovely and tall and they all lived happily ever after. The end. Um, <laughs> the end. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> not quite. So, so yeah, I think I'm starting to remember. So, I believe he does aid in the construction of the tower, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, basically, he go. He goes. Yeah. He says, "I'll sort it, but mm. I, I've got to be part of this. As long as I can do my bit of it, you know, yeah, I'll tweak yeah. it a bit. You, you'll get it done." So, basically, yeah. you know, yeah. men are like, "Yeah." happy days yeah, if you're doing this for us um saves us the work we'll we'll go off and have our uh, ham sandwiches so we they, <laughs> <laughs> they they basically so the stranger enters the temple um mm. and then basically the next day the uh, a horned bell has appeared on on yeah, top of the temple yeah. but it's now complete so yeah, like, oh yeah, okay so yeah yeah um yeah, and then basically yeah. yeah okay i'll keep <laughs> and so basically the you know the people obviously wanted to enter the temple because like, oh it's great it's mm. all you know you know they you know where they're cutting the cutting the the ribbon at the front it's like yep and now the <laughs> temple is open um, but not quite no. so basically the bell tolled 13 times again similar to yeah um nurgle with his obsession with the, the number seven skaven the horn rat yep. number 13 so it tolls 13 times mm-hmm. exactly and then 
you know, not ever happily ever after the storm and no. rain basically appear with darkness and ash and things like that. Basically, the weather mm. just goes uh, crazy, and then for you know the, a particular <laughs> period, every night the bell tolls mm. thirteen times. Weather keeps getting yeah. worse and worse and worse, and basically the men go to the dwarves and say, "Look." what's going on this we need your help there's something something weird's going on and basically the dwarves are like what, what are you worried about you know we're you know we don't need to help you it's just some weird weather it's just you some know. bad weather yeah yeah you know get get over basically get over it <laughs> so, mm, don't worry yeah about it. and obviously the men you know go back but you know at that turn some of them go missing you know through all mm. this and crops are getting destroyed because you, you're basically getting like meteors <laughs> you know smashing yeah, through and yeah. and you've got like twisted offspring you know just just mm. weird stuff is happening that's mm. you know relatively unexplained um so they they get to sort of again the the men get to their sort of limits and basically go back to the dwarves but obviously with the, being a bit more pissed off <laughs> and basically go back <laughs> to the dwarves and say look you know really we do need your help with this this is not mm. happening again the dwarves say we we're not interested we don't have room for you our sort mm. of lower levels where you could hang out are flooded and no you're not you know go mm. away basically again so <laughs> then again because there are their limits the men then pray to the they're dark gods, you know, they're basically mm. saying the names of demon princes and things that haven't yeah, existed yeah. for a long time. Um, but then, uh, due to this, vermin start appearing, and that's mm. where, you know, met the men uh, are hunted and, you know, yeah. killed by all this vermin that's randomly because appearing. the rain makes the rats grow, I think is what yes. it is. They become yeah, I think big that's what it's- and strong and powerful. And they eat, eat yes. all the man things. Yes. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> they just take over. Um, and like I said, the you know the bell is tolling thirteen times uh, mm. every midnight. Um, and then it gets to the point where again, because now they really don't know what to do. The, the men basically mm. go to um, the dwarves again. You know, let us in. Um, basically, <laughs> don't get any answer. <laughs> yeah. So they batter down the doors, and when they get there to where the tunnels are, all they find is the the bones and cloth of the and bodies of the dead dwarves mm. that, yeah. and all and yeah. then they just see thousands of red eyes looking at them in the shadows and then obviously mm. the men get taken you know get taken yeah. over by the rats and skaven yeah. and that's it yeah. that's where the skaven come from mm. the end <laughs> yeah it, it's quite a fairy tale origin it's kind of it a mix is. of tower of babylon and the pied piper which i like um, yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Yeah, that's a fair point. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it's yeah. interesting, and it gives them this real cool air of mystery because they're definitely a chaos creation, but Absolutely. no one's sure exactly what's going on with their creator. Like, was that the initial incarnation of the horned rat, or something, mm-hmm. or the first worshipper of the horned rat before anyone knew about him, or something like that? Who knows? But it's a really great origin story. I love it. Um. <laughs> and also what's quite good is they and, and sort of makes sense is the, the fact that the, the the lore and and the origin is quite fuzzy is sort of explained mm. by the fact that skaven don't really care about history so they're they're yeah, not writing yeah. it down going oh this happened there's no scholars and historians <laughs> in, in the skaven yeah, world yeah. and it took a while for because of what happened at Casvai, it took a while for mm. uh, humans, especially, to come across Skaven. So, yeah. from their perspective, yeah. they didn't, they were almost like a myth. They didn't really exist yeah. or didn't really know much about them. So, again, mm. there's no, that's why there's no real proper history because there's no one around don't to. Know about them. Yeah. No, exactly. It's just, you know, which, which is, sort of makes sense. Yeah. 
I mean, um, it's a it's a very big thing in the Warhammer Fantasy mythos about Skaven is every year the Skaven all gather in Skaven Blight to perform a dread ritual, which literally makes people forget they exist. And yes. like that's that's what the Skaven say it does. But a lot of people's bets in the myth in the in the in the lore of Warhammer Fantasy is they were probably just killing everyone and eating all the evidence of anyone who <laughs> yeah. knew about them. Yeah, but this was sure. their way to tell the populace, no, no, this is their way to tell the general Skaven populace, I should clarify. <laughs> um, no, no, the man-things don't possibly know about us. All the whole council got together, you were all there, you all saw, we prayed to the horned rat, we sacrificed a million slaves on an altar, and we have another year where the humans don't know we exist. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Good tactics. Well done, Skaven. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just um, really cool because, like, there are these small groups in Warhammer Fantasy who knew about Skaven. It's like people who work in gutter in um in sewers, uh, the occasional witch hunter, and the occasional like, and I mean the dwarves all know, but no one in the Empire knows. They're like rat people are a myth. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> beneath their feet, you know, an entire troop of gutter runners goes sprinting through the sewers. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's the <laughs> yeah, it's like in modern day. It's what's it? Crocodiles in the sewer. Well, yeah, it's just a, you know an urban myth, but it was a real, it was real. So um, yeah, so that's the sort of you know from what we understand the origins of of the Skaven. Um, I'll just briefly cover the the couple of civil they wars a, that yeah, that they, they had. They had one or two, but there was two. There was two big ones. I mean, again, it just highlights the infight. I mean, they've obviously been they've been involved with lots of different wars, but we'd yeah, be all, all day yeah. if we <laughs> covered them. I mean, so, yeah, I guess they're technically always in the state of civil war. It's just yes. That was the, two really big ones uh. exactly yeah exactly so mm. right so the first sort of be you know in quote marks the first big civil war that they were part of um basically and this is the start of um clan pestilence so mm. an unknown clan no, no one knew the name of them basically went out into the world so they uh even the council of 13 which will get to soon um basically you know didn't know anything about it and they just went out in the world just to see what's you know basically what's going on in the world let's let's explore um and what they did is they basically discovered a tunnel um mm. which ended up going on i think it basically goes under the ocean i believe and it ends up in lustria where the yeah. lizard men are yeah. so they end up in lustria uh kill kill the lizard men in the vicinity mm. um and then all of a sudden you know, wh- whoever was left of the of this particular clan, because obviously some of them would have died at the hands of the lizard men, uh, basically started coming down with sickness and plague, and you know, uh, just didn't know what to do with themselves. Um, so they sort of they thought the best course of action would be to pray to the horned rat. You know, say look, you know, save us. And basically, that's where clan pestilence came from, uh, yeah. which we'll again go into quite shortly. Um, so. So again, Clan Pestilence decided at this point to, oh, while we're here, we'll carry on raiding Lustria. See, you know, while we're here, they got lots of, you know, shiny rubies and and things like that. Let's uh, let's let's do it. Um, but you know, the basically the lizard men, you know, team up in their various yeah. forces and, and drive them out. So uh, at this point, the uh, Clan Pestilence fl- uh, flee to what's called the Southland um, mm. and basically regroup. And you know, start building some fortresses and you know, staking their claim on this. Um, and then they decide to go back to Skaven Blight, uh, again, where the Council of 13 are, and basically demand a place on the council saying, you know, we're clan pestilence, we've been out in the world, you know, we, we want to be part of things. Mm. Um, 
And basically, the council basically go sod off. We don't want you. We don't want you being part of this council. No, no chance. You, you know, you went, you went away. You, you're covered in disease. No, go away. We don't want you being part of this. They even to the point that they kill the emissaries that go to the council on behalf of uh, can, clan pestilence. So, pestilence obviously get very annoyed at this. So, what they decide to do is they uh, basically attack Skaven Blight. Uh, with you know their bio weapons and obviously all these plague weapons that they've uh, been concocting while they've been away, um, and even, even to the point where they they wipe out one of the lesser clans, which is Clan Merkit. They literally just wipe mm. them all out. Um, so obviously, in retaliation to that, uh, the council use uh, Clan Scryer to uh, to retaliate against pestilence. Um, but obviously, what helps pestilence at this point is a lot of the again some of the smaller clans are already on board with them so again now you can see a big civil war basically happening now so you've got the council and scryer on one side and you've got pestilence and you know smaller clans on the other side um and they decide to fight for about 400 years you know one or two one or two years (laughs) (laughs) which basically ends up in a in a deadlock you know for because obviously when you've been fighting for 400 years like that (laughs) it's uh you know you do get to a deadlock no doubt so um what then sort of basically turns the tide of things at that point is uh clan eshin which are the the ninja assassin rats that we're going to talk about soon um basically come back from the far east where they've been uh learning their trade um and then basically the council uh employ them use them as such to turn the tide against pestilence which then ends up mm. with parlay being offered because they're like right okay come on this is getting stupid now we've just been fighting for all this time let's just end this um but then at the end of it it ends up with uh, clan pestilence getting a seat on the uh, council mm. so yeah that could, if they just said yes in the first place, they wouldn't have to have fought for five, 400 years. <laughs> yeah, but then they but would have lost a small amount of power. <laughs> yes, that's, that's true. Because again, like you said, power is everything. Status, mm. you know, numbers don't really mean anything. But obviously it did have a big drain on the Skaven race mm. in, a, in a way, because yeah. obviously it was a lot of slaughter, even financially. <laughs> it was, you know, it was just, you know, an absolute, and obviously it meant they weren't out there taking over the world <laughs> or trying to take over the world because they're busy fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, the first civil war. Uh, second one was basically between the first civil war, or sorry, the first big one and the second big one, there was a few uh, mm-hmm. battles with the empire. Well, not a few, yeah. there's some big ones, um, which ended up with Skaven um, losing. So start of the second civil war, pest- it's pestilence again. They get basically get blamed for the big defeats to the empire again remember it's all a blame game with the uh with the skaven so pestilence just get blamed for it all and obviously uh because of that the council tried to vote out um pestilence from the council mm. uh pestilence yeah. are going we're not having any of this <laughs> no. we're part of this um so what they decide to do is fight for their place they go no no we're staying you're not voting us off and because of that, yeah. you're all heretics. All the rest of you blaming <laughs> us, you're all heretics. And then I can imagine the other scaven are going, what? What do you mean we're heretics? You know, and then, you, you know, tables are getting flipped at this point. Yeah, you know, yeah. drinks are going, you know, flipping off the tables. You know, they're just properly <laughs> kicking off with each other. Um, so Clan Skyra um, decide to mount defences around Skaven Blight because again it's they know what's going to happen again pestilence are going to come mm. in with their weapons um so they 
basically mount you know proper defenses which repels pestilence for a while and then we have mm-hmm. another 400 years of war uh, they like Hooray. fighting for 400 years it's like a solid number for them mm. yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna yeah. fight you've got to do it at least 400 years <laughs> otherwise it doesn't count for anything <laughs> so, oh God, what is that actually that's that's 200 generations <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Something but yeah, like if you're that. looking at every couple of years, yeah, about that. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> they just they, so they just fight for. It's just the fact they they kick off like that and they go, yeah, let's fight for mm. four hundred years. <laughs> yeah, but it just shows fight. you how spiteful and mm. driven they are to be right. Yeah. That's the thing because you think really this that's a long time. Again, like the fact that they can afford to keep that up for that long means they have literally the rat power to do it. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So, um, so they, yeah, they fight for another 400 years and it goes backwards and forwards, just like the first time. Um, mm. then all of a sudden, um, the, they notice the, some of the, I think some of the gray seers as part and one of the, uh, higher ups of, uh, Clan Skyra, um, basically realized that the chaos moon, which is more Morslieb, again, I could be pronouncing mm-hmm. that wrong. Morslieb, um, is rising in the north, which is basically, connected to the largest chaos army that's ever been mustered yeah, at this point yeah. so they, obviously they're like whoa whoa <laughs> something's happening over there that's not cool um and like i said it's being seen by um the graces actually it's uh, it's itic claw is the uh, mm. the particular skaven that um cause it, who's quite high up in the clan at this point mm. so realizing that this is on the horizon and this is you know a bad omen basically um the seers make all the clans come to the feast of vermintide uh, or else, you know, it's like a basically an ultimatum saying, look, you've got to come yeah. to this feast, stop fighting, something bigger and badder is on the horizon, we need to get our stuff together now. Um, this fighting has to stop. So basically a representative of all the big clans and the smaller clans all converge at this, um, at this, the Temple of the Horned Rat in Skaven Blight, and yeah. basically a ritual is performed. Now, this basically involves all the Grey Seers available, which there is 169 of, which is 13 times 13, yep, key number yep. again. <laughs> so they're all there, plus all the clan representatives. Um, and basically, the Grey Seers and the and the you know the the main Grey Seer basically do this ritual, which ends up with 169 slaves just dying in front of them. Mm. Um, yeah, in various forms of pain and suffering, <laughs> as you would expect. Um, and the bell tolls 13 times again, as we've seen before. Yep. Now, yep. this court, you know, at the end of this ritual, base, literally the horned rat comes through reality, yes. <laughs> through a tear in the in the void. And, hey, guys, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> My followers. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so the horned rat basically comes through the void, um, obviously very annoyed with, you know what they've been doing because he's obviously he's been he's been in part of him's been amused by them fighting for 400 years but then part of him is thinking come yeah. on you're just being stupid now yeah. um so yeah. he so he basically grabs a load of slaves and skaven and eats them um and then basically once he's finished gorging himself on his followers <laughs> literally um he gives them a present and this present is a 13-sided pillar uh with 13 runes and it's made purely of warpstone now yes. which is basically warpstone is chaos in yeah. stone form <laughs> crystallized chaos yes exactly yes <laughs> perfect for it as an engagement present um yeah. <laughs> well, so uh, so yeah racier. 
<laughs> yeah, that special grace here in your life. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, they've given this, which is the, uh, I have to try and remember the name. It's the pillar of commandments, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular pillar. And basically says to the Skaven, get your stuff together, sort yourselves out. <laughs> and I want all law i want a new council basically so all you mm. current council members you all need to touch this stone to basically prove that you're still good enough and that basically mm. ends up with all the lords touching the stone a lot of them end up literally bursting into flames and dying and turning into yeah. ash um and ends up with 13 uh, sorry 12 of them being left mm. um yeah. Yeah. and at the at the end of this and then basically these 12 become the new council mm. and Thus ends the sav- the Second Civil War. <laughs> because of the, right, we've it been told off. Organized <laughs> after four hundred years again. Um, so I think talking of the council, it'd be quite appropriate to talk about the council now. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we mentioned it a few times. Yeah. So uh, the Council of Thirteen. Do, do, do. <laughs> <laughs> so they seem they, to live forever. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> yes they do actually. Um, so. The Council of Thirteen is basically the they're seen as the the rulers of the Under Empire. So basically, mm. it's the tw- it's twelve as we just said. It's twelve lords, the Lords of Decay, um, mm. which are basically rep- you know representatives from the main four clans plus a few of the the Warlord clans, which are the ones a bit level you know a level just below. Uh, place number thirteen is for the Horned Rat, so it's a yep. not literally a physical place for him. It's just a metaphorical. Here you go. This is where. It is, which ends up causing quite weird situations because the because the Grey Seers, as the priests and wizards talk on behalf of the Horned Rat, they can sort of abuse his position because basically if there's a tie on a vote or something, they can go, yeah, the Horned Rat would be in favour of us. And then they're like, you sure? Like, yeah, he, he just told me. He just, he just uh, said it in my ear. Yeah, we, we, we win this vote. Seven, <laughs> seven to six. So yeah, it can be it can be abused, but um, and also the it's quite funny because it's quite interesting that the the numbers of the seats actually have some show the rank of the or importance mm. of the people at the table. Yeah. So yeah. So positions one and twelve, i.e., the ones that are either side of uh, the horn rat at mm. thirteen, they're the two most powerful. Yeah. And whereas like mm. six and seven are the least powerful, and then yeah. obviously the ones yeah. are, are the in between are of different levels so that's quite interesting as well and basically the council as you can imagine are basically a a team or group that sort out like military political issues they vote on things Mm. they'll do you know they basically make decisions on behalf of the skaven you know it's like a big war council you know Mm. just making all these big grand decisions um lords the particular lords on the council can be replaced if uh, if needed um, the sort of the one they can basically be replaced. It, well, it, the main way is to do it is so if you if you're a Skaven and you go, I'm going to replace one of these lords. First, you have to put your hands on the pillar of commandment, which is that uh, yep. lovely thirteen sided uh, pillar that we we're just talking about. So they got to survive that first. That's test number one. They got to not burst into flames and die, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is quite a you know quite a extreme test. But you know, so it, it gets you know it gets rid of. Uh, members that don't you know that shouldn't be applying for the job um mm. so if they pass that test then they have to challenge the particular lord they're trying to take over in 
a fight to the death and obviously if they win they become the new lord if they don't then they're dead so, mm. <laughs> so whereas the other way they can do it sort of almost by default is yeah. if you as a, as a lord or sorry a you know a skaven or in, uh, in charge of a clan if you k- wipe out the clan of one of the lords mm. on the council therefore because yeah. he's got no power because he's got no clan you sort of take over his place but then mm. the problem is you then become the next target in a way <laughs> So that's sort of, you know, I think if you <laughs> this is how the Skaven work. <laughs> you got this sort of vibe yeah, of yeah. backstabbing, replacing, you know, it's a very volatile sort of situation. Ah, right, so that's the, should we talk about the clans? Um, yeah. Any particular yeah. clan you would like to <laughs> talk um, about? Well, uh, I'm, I'm a great fan of all the four of the great clans. So, because there's there's four great clans that have very specific roles in Skaven society, and then the rest of the council is made up of your of important clans that are just military might. So they've just got so many clan rats and so many storm vermin that they have earned a place in the council. That's fine. But the big four are Pestilence, Scryer, mm-hmm. Eshin or Eshin, and Mulder. Um, they're all very cool. They're all very different. Um. We've already talked a little bit about Pestilence, so I'm going to jump in with Eshin. Okay, cool. go for it. Because what's better than a rat? A rat ninja. Ninja rat. <laughs> um, yeah, so these these are this is a clan that has learned a lot by sort of living underneath the far land of Cathay, which is basically Japan in the old world. <laughs> um, and so their job within Scaping Society is the most important role, assassination. Mm-hmm. Um if you, if you need a rival killed, you go to Clan Eshin. Um, yep. <laughs> oh, at least if you want a rival killed successfully, you go to Clan Eshin. <laughs> yeah. Clarify. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they've got all these great achievements they list off, list, list off, like, you know, even our gutter runners, our lowest troops can run without being heard for miles and drop off a roof and slit a man things through without being ever seen by the person standing next to him. Uh, a lot of which turns out to be bunk. Um, <laughs> but, the end of the day, they are very fast, very dexterous and agile, and very, very sneaky. Um, like, honestly, a lot of the time they end up killing other Skaven because their mm-hmm. most numerous employees are other Skaven, who <laughs> most of the time want them to kill other Skaven. Uh, <laughs> but well, they're quite um, neutral, aren't they? As a as a yeah. clan compared to the others, yeah. they sort of don't have a. They're actually. In a weird way, I wouldn't say they're, they're a good clan, but they're not mm. as sort of motivated as the others for dominance. They're quite, you know, they no, will. They're happy where they are. They're perfectly yeah, they well look... off as they are. Yeah, exactly. They get they get paid a lot to do what they do, and oh, yeah. they enjoy killing. <laughs> they mm. do, you know, they they're, just do. They're good at they're, what they do. They're very good at it. Um, in the old world, he doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. But there was Deathmaster Snicked, yep. um, who was awesome. Uh, he perfected the art of wielding a sword in each hand and a sword in his tail. Uh, Absolutely. So he looked really cool. Um, sort of formed a Triskelion kind of thing. Um, and so they are, they essentially have, you have your, uh, gutter runners, which are the lowest ranks. You have your knight runners, which are the slightly more experienced assassins. And those it's the other way around. Attacks. Sorry. It's the Is other it? way around, I think. Oh, yeah, it's knight Lord. runners, gutter runners, then the assassins. Runners. And yeah. then the assassins are at the top. Then you have your. Yep. Leader of the clan, who is I forget the name of the leader of the clan, uh, the one on the council. It's, a, it's um, Sneak with the yes. double E. He's the Night yes. Lord. 
Yeah. Yeah, Night Lord Sneak, and then the most famous assassin is Death Lord Snick. Snick. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're really they're, they're just cool because they go around in their little Batman masks with their big long <laughs> black cloaks. Um, and they they have a really interesting array, array of weaponry because they're inspired by sort of more Asian culture. So they use mm-hmm. punch daggers and they use throwing stars and. I'm, I'm sure there are some out there with, like, little Tantos or Wakizashis or something. <laughs> uh, little <laughs> Japanese swords. Um, and, yeah, I, I really like them because, as you said, they're a neutral clan. They don't they don't need to vie for power because they know that they are perfectly powerful in their position. Like, if, if the clan was more important, they'd have a lot of challenges. But as it is, mm-hmm. they sit in that comfortable position of clanations, not a problem to me, as long as I can pay them more than my direct rival, which is... All good for Clan Eshin. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, they're, they are. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'd agree with that. I think they're my favorite clan. I think just, like I said, assassin ninja rats. Mm. It just, <laughs> they're just awesome. <laughs> they're just a brilliant, yeah, brilliant concept. So, yeah. So that's um, Clan Eshin. Um, I'll cover, let's do Clan Skyra. Is it Skyra? Mm-hmm. Sk- yeah. Skryer. Uh, Skryer, <laughs> I suppose. That's, yeah, Skryer is yeah. the best way. Um, so yeah, so they're the yes, <laughs> Scryer. Um, so yeah, basically, Clan Scryer is a, a clan focused on sorcery and science combination. Mm-hmm. Probably the best way of putting them. So they've got so their sort of main guy is uh, well, main main Skaven is uh, more Skitar, which is the exalted warlock. So they're like I said, yeah. they're all focused yeah. on technology, um, and apart from the Grey Seers, they're the only other skaven that is that's allowed to use magic basically they're mm, warlocks yeah in theory clan Eshin do on the secret yeah <laughs> they but no one knows that, no one knows <laughs> <laughs> but no, no one's frightened no one's uh you know too frightened to uh, to ask mm. them basically yeah. what are you doing and um i think that's been only been like represented in more time uh where yes. Eshin could take uh sorcerers which was really cool yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's ma- I think their main the main thing they do is uh, sort of basically buffing their weapons, magic weapons. Mm. That's sort of yeah. where they it really goes. Um, so yeah, so yeah, like I said, it's a sorcery science combination. So basically, they use inventions for warfare and digging. You know, they got they got inventions for yeah. you know practical stuff as well. Um, so they they basically got the most weapons of all the different clans, and therefore because of that, they're the richest technically because they can mm-hmm. again similar to Eshin, they can sell their services. Um, so they the come of the things they a couple of the things they've made is they've got the warp rail, which is basically like a like a monorail mm-hmm. <laughs> for the skaven yeah, to transport yeah. themselves. <laughs> um, and also they've got the far squeaker, which is like a phone mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, yeah, so they can make yeah. calls. Um, so they've got a good bit in your face. Yeah, you know, there's always risk because everything's about warp stone. Um, so yeah. yeah, going on to that, they're, it's all about you know they they do get themselves involved in dangerous experiments, but they're quite mm. funny because they expect failure. They sort of don't. They're not mm. fussed to the fact that you know they may get blown up because it's it's part of the cause. Yeah. Ultimately, mm. you know, if you're going to improve and get, make bigger and badder weapons and technology, <laughs> you may have a few accidents. But hey, there's yeah. enough of us <laughs> in in our race, mm. so it doesn't matter really. So. Um, and basically some of the key things that they've sort of come out with um, is you've got the warp fire throwers, which is basically like a warp stone flamethrower. Yeah, um, you've got nasty. the rattling gu- 
Yeah, so it was nasty. <laughs> um, you got the rattling gun, which is, as you imagine, is like a, a Gatlin gun, minigun uh, yeah, combination. Yep. Uh, you got the uh, warp lock jazales, uh, which is basically like mm-hmm. a two rat sniper team. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. With uh, it's got like the longest range of any sort of gun in the whole of the old oh, world, yeah. Um, yeah. and it fires warp stone bullets. So they've got they've got those. Um, they've got the warp lightning cannon. Which is just mm-hmm. like I said, a big, I don't know, like a big Tesla coil, <laughs> just, yeah. just causes massive lightning just to come out. Um, and then probably one of the most sort of, I don't know, iconic ones is the Doom Wheel, <laughs> oh, which is uh, an awesome sight to behold. It's basically a big wheel <laughs> <laughs> with a warlock on top, or a warlock engineer, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, Inside, not on top. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just an awesome thing to look at. So, um, so yeah, they, you know, like I said, they're just tinkerers obsessed with warpstone and make some cool adventure uh, inventions yeah yeah right um so who's left um uh, molder pestilence and molder yeah. yeah okay which one do you want to talk about um i'll briefly go over pestilence just like okay. flesh them out a little more mm-hmm. um so clan pestilence we know they're the ones that went to lustria and got really really sick and thought it was great um uh they're, they're sort of they're sort of the religious fanatic clan mm-hmm. because they much in the same way that followers of Nurgle sort of revel and celebrate these boxes they carry, it's the exact same for a clan pestilence because they, they get sick and they go, the horned rat has blessed me. I must use this to spread destruction to all the other races. And so they, you know, they're, they're these walking disease factories. But what I really like about pestilence is they have, they have the culinary touch just right. <laughs> like, their most sacred artifact, um, at least in the Warhammer fantasy lore, was they have this huge iron cauldron stolen from Nurgle's garden that, you know, has a thousand poxes brewing in it, and they bring it out for the times where they have to siege entire cities, and they hide it in secret in a cemetery in the city and just take bits from each grave and tailor the pox to the people that live there, and then they just dunk about 10,000 rats in the brew and throw them into the city and go, okay, go. <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah and they they are fanatical like their ba- their basic unit is the plague monk um mm-hmm. they you know they're walking around um their kit is really cool uh i think i talked last episode about picking some up to make death guard cultists but yes you did they've, yeah, got yeah. These, they've got all these robes um they have a ton of scrolls and books and banners because they're all reciting these these stories about the great horned rat and his 13 poxes of doom uh which comes up in age of sigma they're still looking for those um uh they also have plague sensor bearers which are sort of plague monks who are so inured to pain by their various many diseases that they just run around with these giant warp stone flails that puff out these clouds of warp smoke uh and then there's they they're sort of big two things are they have the plague claw catapult which mm-hmm. is just yep. a catapult that chunks basically chum at the enemy uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah except point, yeah. it's horribly it's horribly diseased chum to the point where it's almost acidic um and then they have the um so plague claw catapult and the oh what's the name of it the plague something it, you uh. know this it's from it's the same as the screaming bell kit but it's not the screaming bell it's the um Brain, brain, why aren't you working? I can't think. I know, I know it's from. I, I, yeah. uh, oh, hold I'm on, I'm gonna look it up on Games Workshop site real quickly. 
Okay. Well, I'll, I'll switch. I'll switch to Clan yeah. Mulder while go, you're doing that. Do, do, uh, do Mulder for us. Yeah. Yeah, Mulder. So, so Mulder is the the breeding war beast type clan, basically. Mm. So they're led or were led in the old times by uh, Pack Lord Vermikin. So yeah. So like I said, their basic mm. sort of premise is that they create war beasts using warp stone and. So it's basically a combination of surgery and breeding to make some really mm. freaky <laughs> creatures. Uh, I mean, the main yeah. main things they're known for is rat ogres, which are a very yep. iconic Skaven thing, which is, like I said, as you imagine, a combination a rat-type ogre. Um, you've mm-hmm. got things like tracker rats and wolf rats, which, again, are sort mm-hmm. of combinations of these things, uh, giant rats. Um, one of the other sort of main things they're known for is the hell pit mm. uh, abomination. Yes. Which is a lovely looking creature. Um, oh, it's, a, it's such a great a, model. It is an awesome model. It's basically this multi limbed creature with, and it's got like multiple Skaven heads um, at mm. the top, and they're all blind as well. Um, yeah, um, yeah. But like in the like in the actual lore, and and they 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 can quickly heal. They can actually heal limbs off themselves. It's just like I said, mm. just an, literally a, a, like clues in the title, abomination. It's a, an absolute freak of nature. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, compared to the other clans, they've got less troops but more beasts, obviously, because mm. that's what they that's what yeah. they specialize in. Um, you know, it's all led by pack masters. Um, they're also because of the surgery they perform, they're they're actually like the best healers and of mm. all the clans, um, especially from an alchemy point of view. Um, like like all the other clans, they sell their services. So again, they're very rich as well because they sell their beasts mm. and abominations to the to whoever wants to pay for it. Um, and basically, they there's like this particular story where they travelled to Kislev um, and they found a place called Hell Pit, <laughs> and um, mm. that's basically where they you know they that's how they came how they came to be how they did. Basically, they they, they found warpstone <laughs> and used it you know as experiments and thought yeah. we're on something yeah. good here. So um, so yeah, that's basically Clan Molder. Um, do you yeah. find it, the, it was, the? It was the plague furnace because ah, of the big yes. smoking yes. sensible. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That kid is lovely as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. So yes, yeah, so so that's the clans. that's the the four main clans. Um, mm. I think that's sort of it for the main sort of bulk yeah. of it now. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, we've covered we've covered Gracie's the council, the four main clans, basic yep. background, the great horned rat. Um, Vermin Lords are the demons of the Great mm. Horned Rat. Uh, yes. Because he's not as powerful as the other Chaos Gods, he doesn't have lesser demons. He only has greater demons. That's right. Which is cool. Uh, and they come in four variants. They have the Gracia style, the Warlord yep. style, the Clan Eshen style, and the Clan Pestilence style. Yep. And there's also one special character one. Uh, it's a really cool kit. Uh, mm. they're really cool. They're, they're a bit weaker than regular greater demons, which makes sense because they're from a less powerful god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the big thing with them, because I've been reading a little of the Age of Sigma lore on them, uh, is now is that um, they're basically just a Skaven, but also bigger and stronger. So it's like they're doing the same thing of backstabbing their own minions, like um, the the book uh, Legends of the Age of Sigma, I think it was, that I've been reading recently, yep. has has a clan pestilence story in it, and there's a vermin lord corruptor who's just playing these two plague priests off each other constantly, to try and make them compete to do better things for him. So he looks better to the horned rat. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, that, yeah. That's more or less the general overview of their units. Um, yeah. Yeah. As for, I, think the only, 
I was going to say yeah. just the storm vermin as well, just briefly. So yeah. basically, they're the they're cool. the elite soldiers of the uh, Skaven. Like I said black fur mm. because that's how they get in the club, um, or sometimes. Yeah brown furred that paint them or sort of dye their fur black and yeah. sometimes get it yeah. as well but basically like i said they're <laughs> the elite soldiers and basically they get better food better equipment compared to other skaven um yeah. and they're looked yeah. after by slaves and and given things like the you know the female breeders that we spoke about earlier so they're mm. very well looked after but that's because yeah they do a lot of the main work so mm. okay right um yeah. so that's the main overview of them um i'd say yeah. so if we just want to cover the age of yeah. sigma so i finish style. up with the age of sigma stuff yeah, yeah go for it so um the big thing is all the information we've told you is still 100 percent valid because the skaven didn't change a lot in the age of sigma because that's right they for the most part escaped unharmed um so what happened is during the end times the council looked at what was happening to the world and went you know what we think Archeon's going to win and destroy the world. What should we do about this? <laughs> and their answer was, we will teleport Skaven Blight, our capital city, out of existence. <laughs> Wonderful idea. Clan Scry, get on it. And they did it. They literally teleported, like, the bottom layer of the entire planet, it sounded like, out. Not, not into the warp, but out of existence entirely into its own dimension. And sort of Skaven Blight hung there until the whole end times happened. You know, Archeon destroys the world. Sigma tries to grab the core of the world, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, <coughs> pardon me. Um, and this was around the time the Horned Rat had begun to ascend to being a proper Chaos God. And once the mortal realms sort of coalesced, um, he sort of looked around and went, oh, there's Skaven Blight and just pulled it into the warp directly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because, uh, previously the Horned Rat had been actually living in Nurgle's garden, I believe, and he mm-hmm. wanted a proper place of his own, so here's Skaven Blight, this is mine now. Um, but the Skaven can't leave things be, so all the Skaven in Skaven Blight kept doing their experimenting, and their drilling, and their digging, and their gnawing, and they actually managed to rend and sort of gnaw their way through the warp, to the point where they've now got something called gnaw holes, um... Skaven, in, at least Skaven from Skaven Blight in particular, have an ability to traverse these tunnels in reality that Skaven have been chewing out because all the Skaven in the warp are constantly digging and tunneling through the warp and causing reality to bend and fragment. And Skaven in the worlds of the mortal realms can use those to teleport around. In particular, Vermin Lords are very good at it, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from that, uh, Clan Pestilence is really chummy chummy with the Rotbringers from Nurgle. Uh, of course, they share similar desires with different end goals, but they're like, Plague is great. Um, <laughs> really, really cool bit is that <laughs> they are actually- they yeah. on their posters. <laughs> yeah, Plague exactly. Join the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the really cool bit is that they are legitimate allies for each other, so a Pestilence force can take Rotbringers, or a Rotbringers force can take Pestilence for their mm-hmm. however many points of allies, which is cool. Um, and Skaven have just been scaled up. Um, so where there were billions of Skaven before, now there are billions upon billions of Skaven. Um, and the, the clans are less set clans. Like, there, there's still Skaven Blight and the hierarchy there, but Clan Pestilence isn't one clan anymore. It's thousands of lesser clans, each with yeah. millions of Skaven to its name, um, who, again, from the stuff I've been reading, um, because that book is mostly about Clan Pestilence, they've actually split up. They've had this sort of... um, They've had, like, a religious schism 
kind of like the Christian church did. Um, <laughs> but it's over, it's over which symptoms are the best. Right. Uh, yep. So it, it is like one, one pestilence clan is like, no, the only good bubo is red and their dire <laughs> enemies. The other clans say, no, bubos must be purple. Otherwise the plague <laughs> isn't strong enough. And just like all these little fractures and like, so it's like, there's all these different clans now. There's so many of them, but, um, they fall into one of those four archetypes. They either make beasts, mess with magic and tech, uh, mess with disease or, uh, ninjas. Um, yeah, that, that, that's the big things with Age of Sigma is, and something I'm really happy about is Skaven didn't really change because they were already no. perfect. They were, Absolutely. they were already so good. They didn't need to. No, no it's and it, 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 considering what we spoke about, it shows how diverse they are, especially the four clans. They've um, got so much, oh, yeah. you know, so many different types of themes to them. Um, I just hope, sort of going forward, mm. they just push them up a notch, just sort of, just, yeah, yeah. just sort of, you know, put some more different clans in there that do something mm. a bit different. Because obviously, you yeah. know, going back to the actual tabletop now, you've got a situation where obviously clan. Clan Pestilence has its own battle tome, for example, um, mm. and obviously has a bit more of a model range compared to the others. Whereas it'd be nice yeah. if they sort of, right, you know, similar to what they've done with like Daughters of Cain, mm. Deepkin, like come up with yeah. a, you know, new Skaven, like a proper fleshed out, you know, Age of Sigmar mm. one with new models, new battle tome. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. What I would really like is for you to be able to field old school Warhammer Fantasy Skaven armies because. Uh, they, because they were much ge- ge- more geographically close back then. I guess I would say, like, a lot of the clans are separated by entire realms at this point. Yeah. Um, you could just throw anything in a Skaven army. A Skaven army could have units from any of the four great clans, have any number mm-hmm. of regular clan rats and stuff like that. And it made sense because as much as they fight each other, they are still a cohesive force. They still have to work together. And I would like, a Honestly, I'd like a Grand Alliance, quotation mark, Skaven battle tome with, you know, new models for the Eshens and maybe some more stuff for Mulder and Scry is pretty good where it is. Actually, they've got some pretty nice models. Yep. Like, just, just you know, release some new or updated stuff for the current great clans and yeah. then, like you say, go out and do a brand new interesting clan. Yeah, That'd fingers crossed. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, they're, they're, they're quite mm. happy adding these new races so i just think like i said mm. like you said they are perfect the way they are they just need a bit more to them you know they're just sort of they, mm. they're a bit all over the place like like so they're a bit unbalanced at the moment is what i'm trying yeah. to say they're sort of they need yeah, yeah. like a prominent again similar going back to the daughters of cain because again you can have a dark elf or what was the old school dark elf army but there's not mm. you know it's you, it's a bit bitty it doesn't have its own battle tone yeah. it's just you know you're just picking bits yeah. whereas again now you've got daughters of cain go right great we've got our own yeah. you know proper yeah, sort of force for army ready to go exactly yeah. and they, they, they said i know you've got clan pestilence but you know it could do with probably another one just to sort of balance it out a bit more so mm. um so yeah, yeah. skaven awesome. they skaven. are a really cool race so hopefully people <laughs> listening you've got a bit more of an understanding of skaven because yeah i said it, yeah. i mean again like anything we talk about there's so much more you could go into but that's a you know yeah. a, a big proper overview of of the Skaven race, or you know what they were like in the old world, and sort of you know they're getting on in the, in the new world. Mm, um, yeah. So um, after that, we're going to definitely take a break now, um, mm. and when we come back, we'll finish up with our debate topic, which is where we're going to say yep. who is more likely to conquer the galaxy, Necrons or Tyranids? Ooh. <laughs> 
And welcome back to the final part of the show, where, yes, it's back. We've got a debate topic this week, because <laughs> we missed it last week, because we yeah. had too much to talk about. So here it is. We're back in the 40k universe, and like I said, we're asking the question, who is more likely to conquer the galaxy? Is it the Necrons, or is it the Tyranids? I.e., is it Terminators, or is it Xenomorphs? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what we're asking here. So yeah, as, as per normal, um, we're going to give our reasons why the Necrons are more likely to do it, mm. give our reasons why the Tyranids would likely do it, and then we'll hopefully come to some sort of conclusion which is gospel. Um, yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, let's start. Let's start with the yeah. Necrons. Because why not? Okay, okay. Uh, so, Cameron, what's your first reason? Um, this is my biggest reason, um, and the reason is the Necrons win no matter what. <laughs> they can't lose. Um, yeah. Allow me to allow me to further and explain my point. Um, yeah. <laughs> because that's a big cl- that's a big bold claim to make. Now, is. listen. What does a Tyranid like? I'll tell you. Biomass. A Tyranid likes biomass. What is a Necron composed of? Not biomass. <laughs> um, also, what is a Necron's end goal, as far as I can ascertain, is to rise again as the Empire they were and rule over the world and maybe become the warp because they do have those black stone pylons all over the place to try and keep the warp under control. Um, yep. Guess what? If the Tyranids come through, eat every other living thing in the galaxy and then move on because they have to to survive, the Necrons have won. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they will yeah. wake up, they will find a, a galaxy scoured clean, not a single bit of biomatter, nothing for evolution to kickstart from again. They will have won. They'll be the only sentient things in a galaxy where the warp no longer exists because no living things exist anymore to, you know, allow the warp to be fed by emotions and different concepts. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, if they just sleep for another 20,000 years, they probably win. <laughs> yeah play the long game <laughs> yeah yeah like it's inefficient for a high fleet to go out of its way to try and eat necrons because it can't the only reason it would fight necrons is if necrons fight it first which presumably they do at some points because everything fights everything in 40k so you know <laughs> yeah no it's it's a fair point i mean because I, I, I was looking in i you know i looked into mm. that theory that obviously can tyranids absorb necrons now Mm. uh, you i i'm in your uh, i'm on your side of the fence where i believe they can't because there is theories because well there's two actually one Mm. one there's no categoric yes you know yes either way Mm. but you know i would Mm. say that they've not you know no one has actually categorically said yes they can't uh, absorb uh necrons but then they vice versa they can't say they haven't either because i suppose there, there's mm. some theories out there that when uh tyranids basically you know literally raid uh a world and and destroy all it you know take all its biomass that in inadvertently mm. they are taking precious metals and certain metals alloys mm. it's just naturally yeah. part of it i'm not of that yeah. belief i just like you i genuinely believe they can't you know mm absorb the uh the you know the matter of of necrons i just can't see how that would happen um yeah, yeah. so that is quite yeah quite a, a prominent point um right my sort of first one i would say on again on the f- side of the necrons is mm. possible infinite numbers 
You know, at the moment, yeah. they, there's a you know, there's only a very, very small section of the Necrons that are awake at the moment. Most of them are still asleep on Tomb Worlds all around the galaxy, yeah. and it probably explains a lot of the worlds that are dormant out there. You know, because you mm. you got to understand that the the 40k universe and the galaxy is so vast that there's just planets out there they just don't even know what's on them and a lot of them just yeah. don't have anything on them and the, the good chance is they are just tomb worlds so there is this potential of a, just such an astronomical amount of necrons out there that yeah. that yeah. could be enough to to <laughs> literally take on all <laughs> the other races in the universe and just completely yeah. outnumber them so yeah that's my my mm. first reason Okay, next Necron one for you. So, uh, my next pro Necron, another big one, is um, the Necrons are literally the best force to fight the Tyranids. Yes. Um, A, they don't rely on psychic powers, so the shadow and the warp is not a problem for them. B, they are are definitely 100% the species with the most advanced disintegration technology. Yes. (laughs) Um, And what happens when you disintegrate a Tyranid instead of just shooting it with a bolter, the Tyranids can't eat that to make another Tyranid with, nope. you know, if it's dust, they literally yep. can't do that much with it. It just, it, you know, it's just burnt carbon at that point. And the Necrons themselves, when they fall in battle, they leave, as far as I'm concerned, no reasonable sustenance for a Tyranid. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you might be able to get a little bit of iron out of it, but, you know, the latest Necron release is like, this type of Necron is made out of metagold. And I'm like, what is that? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a type of gold that self-translates across reality and skips through. I'm like, well, no Tyranid's ever going to eat that. <laughs> no, Good lord. It's, not, it's, it's not in their menu, no. Not in their diet no, plan. Um, yeah, it, basically, they have the weaponry to win a war of attrition with the Tyranids because they can grind them away with Gauss technology, which can disintegrate, you know, biological matter. And yep. when they take casualties, they are not fueling the Tyranids any further either. Like, they're kind of the perfect force to fight them <laughs> yeah, to be yeah. honest they are actually yeah because like like you're saying the gauze weaponry they use literally breaks mm. matter down to was it atoms and molecules atoms and based and yeah, stuff, yeah it's literally just like i said disintegrates things so yep that is a very very fair point um right i my next one and this because obviously i was looking at it from both angles i what happens if they force mm. each other but what happens if they because obviously they've got to try and take out everyone else as well because we're talking about conquering yeah. the galaxy not yeah. conquering each other as well mm. so i put i uh, put the theory that because obviously they're responsible for the, the pylons as you mentioned earlier um they could put up loads of you know when, when all the necrons mm. uh wake up they could put together so many pylons they could literally take out chaos i think that they yeah. could put so many yeah. pylons up that the warp just sort of <laughs> the eye of terror just disappears and just like they mm. just literally just shut chaos away and go here you go yeah <laughs> you're not even yeah. gonna bother us anymore well that's so. the uh that's the plan with forge being right the mechanicus are like we should stitch the gal- galaxy back together with necron yeah. tech and the necron's exactly. like no that's our plan we're doing that you can't do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, right uh yeah next reason for you yep um so this is also in the vein of they don't just have to beat the tyrannies they have to beat everyone else um and it's kind of in line with your possibly infinite numbers idea but Mm -hmm. there there is from the standpoint of other races they have no idea what they're facing with the necrons they're like there's this weird series of robots that wake up every now and again on a world (laughs) and when we kill them they disappear and then, you know, a couple of centuries later, a full tomb world awakens and just wipes out that system and no one ever hears from it again. 
Like, <laughs> Necrons are the ultimate sleeper threat as well, because, yeah. you know, you can settle a world and quite happily, you know, for centuries or millennia, farm it, you know, develop a civilization on it, and then one day the Necrons wake up and it's all gone. <laughs> they're really good at they're really good at surprise surprise <laughs> surprise yeah, terminators <laughs> yeah people just don't know about them no they're just no that's true yeah yeah they're, they're very mysterious which works for them because knowledge is power mm-hmm. as the librarians say uh, yes <laughs> no very fair fair point um next reason for me which is well, no, it's a tyrann. Sorry, it's a Necron reason, mm. but it's actually because it's a negative for the Tyranids. <laughs> inadvertently. Yeah, yeah. So basically, I put also again going to the chaos thing that Tyranids can't mm. consume demons. So yeah, you yeah. know because of the way they are in the warp, and obviously they're as soon as you kill them, you know they they have no physical manifestation. Mm. Then again, mm. there's no biomatter for them. Yeah, you yeah. know, so they can't. Again, they in theory they can't. If they're fighting chaos, they got no one to consume mm. <laughs> at the end of the day yeah, either. Yeah. Um, for slightly different reasons to the Necrons. Um, mm. So really, yeah, it's, it's similar to one. Like obviously, the first your point about the the biomatter, but it's a sort of similar. You mm. know, it's, again, they can yeah, do yeah. it to demons either. Um, mm. Right. Um, have you got any more reasons for the Necrons? Uh, that's that's most of my pro Necron reasons. To be honest. okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got I've, I've got a cup. I've got a few like again the smaller reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got, them off. I'll reel them off. So you got the fact that they were so powerful back in their day before they went to sleep. Mm. They you know when they yeah. were uh, fighting the old ones and and teamed up with the Saitan, they were you know they literally dominated the galaxy at that point. So mm. um, so there's no, to me in their head, my head. There's no reason why they can't get back to that, if not better. Because, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like I said, they're playing the waiting game. So there's that in their favor. Um, you've got structures such as the World Engine. Now, basically, the World Engine is like a Necron Death Star that they built, mm-hmm. um, which there's a book on it where they, they their plans get thwarted. Damn rebels. Mm. Um, <laughs> which actually turns out to be, um, I think it's the Astral Clause chapter that do it. Could be wrong yeah. on that. Um, but basically the world engine, like I said, if it got, if it got up and working and if they had multiple of them, they could be literally mm. just destroying planets, destroying hive ships. You know, if they were to again taking yeah. on the Tyranids, yeah. if it was just them two left, they could be just destroying, you know, especially with more Necrons waking up, that could be more world engines. They could be just, mm. I said, pinging them for days, <laughs> just destroying them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what else we got? Um, like you said, wait it out. Uh, you know, mm. like I said just playing the the waiting game. Um, also, the the Necrons, I think, could enter the webway, whereas I don't think the yeah. Tyranids can. Um, so again, the, you know, because again, they've got to wipe out all the other rate. You know, to conquer, they've got to yeah. effectively try and wipe yeah. out all the other ones. So again, I think they've got a better chance of taking out the Eldar or Eldari, I should say. Um, mm. And again, my last reason, which sort of covered it was the fact that they beat the old ones you know again if they can do yeah. something to that sort yeah. of level why can't they you know take on everyone else so yeah, yeah. yeah some solid good. reasons for the necrons but you know it wouldn't be a debate if we just made it one-sided um mm. let's talk about the tyranids so what's your first reason pro tyranid um so I, I know this is getting to almost meme level proportions but my first reason for tyranids is more or less my first reason for necrons um the necrons the race most suited to fight the Tyranids in the galaxy has no motivation to fight them. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. Um, yeah. Yeah, because as far as Necrons are concerned, the Tyranids are a passing thing. The Tyranids have no interest in the Necrons because they can't be eaten. The Necrons, therefore, 
go, well, the Tyranids will just bugger off eventually. Because <laughs> yeah. they are doing, they, they the Tyranids to survive have to move from planet to planet because <laughs> they have this constant need for fuel, which in yep. their case is biological matter. You know, they strip a world bare, the Necrons under the surface are like, yeah, this is fine. We'll wake up in a thousand years. The planet will be exactly <laughs> like this anyway. Why should we fight? And like, again, like I said earlier in my reasoning for the Necrons, the Necrons are literally the best race to fight the Tyranids. Their special powers with the Satan powers don't rely on the warp. Those are reality bending powers that are not powered by psychic powers or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Their weaponry is perfect for taking out Tyranids and their th- basic soldiers are also perfect for fighting against Tyranids. They can't be beaten in terms of, like, attrition. But they don't want to fight the Tyranids. So the Tyranids are fine. The Necrons aren't a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Their biggest threat is not a threat. Which <laughs> yeah. Is- <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Fair point. Um, right. Um, what have I got for Tyranids? Um, again, similar to my first point for the Necrons, again, possible infinite numbers. I know that comes with a probably mm. an, ast- an asterisk where obviously when they start running out of, out of mm. biomatter, then obviously that's true. But again, yeah, they're just, yeah. you know, if they got it together, because again, we only know of the high fleets that, that we know about, which is mm. about, I think now there was originally a couple, whereas now there's about four or five, maybe six now. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, again, if more of them come about, they could literally just dominate, you know, again, putting the Necrons mm. slightly aside, they could literally just dominate all the other races i think you know um you know especially when especially when it comes to like you said the shadow and the warp again they could take Mm. out to me they could deal with chaos in that way i mean i I don't actually actually, i don't know have they actually dealt with a situation where the tyranids have gone up to the eye of terror and sit and seen what happened um no because the tyranids are approaching from the far side of the galaxy of course they are yeah i believe yeah Yeah. Yeah. that'd be interesting yeah they're coming they're coming from that side. They've got w- one main fleet either side, and then one fleet coming up from below the galactic plane. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, which I love that by the way, because like the images of this giant hand reaching out to kind of just encircle the galaxy, the just side bit. I love Tyranids. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love they're awesome. Things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. So the shadow and the warp as well is, like I said, one of their major. Mm advantages because again i know obviously not all races are have psychic uh, abilities but mm. you know again all it would leave is really the, the necrons and the tau wouldn't it really i suppose uh <laughs> yeah um, pretty much you know and the tau <laughs> they're not big enough to take on the tyranids not on no, that sort of level no um <laughs> yeah poor naive <laughs> xenos um right so what's your next uh tyranid one? Oh man um oh well, my Mine just went blank. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, we had same reasons as the Necrons, uh, near infinite numbers in the Shadow and the Warp. Here we go. That was it. Um, <laughs> they are the most adaptable race in the entire setting, bar mm-hmm. none. Definitely. Which is literally built into them. They are what they eat. Um, and the problem with the problem that the other races in the galaxy are going to have for this is that their best tactic to deal with Tyranids is to send them to fight someone else until they figure out how to deal with them. For example, the famous Inquisitor Crippman Gambit. What are we going to do with High, Feet Le- High Fleet Leviathan? Send it to the Octarius Sector where the Orcs are. They will fight each other for hundreds of years while we try and work out how to kill Tyranids effectively. <laughs> the problem with that being the Tyranids have now left the Octarius Sector and a yep. lot of them are much bigger and stronger and yes. maybe a little bit green, yep. uh, which is odd, but you know. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, it's literally like the best way to deal with Tyranids is to divert them with a well-placed foe, a big tasty treat, and then try and figure <laughs> out, you know, this particular fleet's genetic weakness. Like this one might be allergic to peanuts or that one might be weak to pneumonia. <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> but the problem with that is if you try and do that, if you don't, if you don't do it, you know, you don't solve that within like a year, they're just going to be stronger because of that, yep. because they fought and even whether or not they win, it doesn't matter because as long as the enemy takes at least one casualty, which they are going to take at least one casualty, the Tyranids have access to that genetic data and can therefore yep. improve their own troops for the next wave, next go, next mm-hmm. go around. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, the Space Marines haven't changed how they fight for the last 10,000 years and the Tyranids are doing it every couple of hours. So, you know. <laughs> yeah exactly no no that's that's fair. i've got i've got tyranorks on my uh on my list yeah there. yeah because <laughs> like they, they can form such a great because com- there's obviously this theory mm. as well about where tyranids and obviously the the spores of the orcs where mm. you can sort of get this infinite cycle of you know of uh, yeah. of tyranids um i don't think that's conclusive admittedly but i think that you know that is an interesting, interesting theory idea yeah, so that's um, a really good thing they could take from orcs, actually. Yeah, just just, just keep reading. Someone tell Games Workshop. <laughs> yeah, we want Tyran orcs. Um, <laughs> um, my next reason for Tyran is, is, let's have a look, uh, no infighting. Because obviously mm. the one thing that a lot of the other races, whether it's, you know, the Imperium, Chaos, um, even the Necrons to a degree, you know, to a degree, mm. well, at least old school Necrons when they were in the Necron tier, because they they were, you know, they used to fight and yeah. argue with each other. That just doesn't happen. The Tyranids just don't have that as part of their their sort of culture, if you want to refer to it as that. You know, they just don't mm. they don't fight with each other. They, you know, they because of the hive mind, they've just got a singular, you know, singular thought and just dominate everything that they come across. Mm. Um, so yeah. you know, they haven't got that worry of a you know a, of a of a Horus heresy <laughs> happening to them where they start fighting and having a civil war with each other. It's just you know that's just that they're, they're above that ultimately. This is always not even mm. part of the equation. So um, that makes them a strong thing. Um, anything else you've got for Tyranids? Um, it it kind of ties into that no infighting thing. Um, mm-hmm. People are like, yeah, each hive fleet has a hive mind. I'm like, no, no, no. There is a hive mind. Every single... Like, this ties back to the hand reaching out for the galaxy thing. All the Tyranids are all organized together. Every single... From, you know, from the smallest gaunt all the way up to entire tendrils of hive fleets. There is a long-term plan that is taking thousands of years to unfold just because the ships take so dang long to get there because they don't have warp travel. Um, but, you know, they're, they are also, they're not only the most adaptable race, they are 100% the most well-informed and the most well-organized. They have uncountable quintillions of eyes to gather information and, you know, just as many brains to process that information and make a tactical decision on a galaxy-wide level. Like, yep. literally no other race has that ability. It's ridiculous if you think about it. <laughs> yeah no I, t- I totally agree that's a that's a good point and and it sort of it 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 sort of ties into one of my next points that i've sort of put mm. them as unpredictable because ultimately yeah. they generally fight and deal with their sort of domination in the, in the, the same way like i said they arrive at a planet shadow in the warp 
you know, drain it of its resources, move on. But yeah. because they're inheriting the, the, you know, like I said, the DNA and data of other races, they could be, they, and they, and they adapt, they could become very unpredictable, which is a nightmare to fight against. Mm. So, you know, that's a real strong thing in their favor. And I can, I can see them mm. doing it. I can see them sort of just trying tactics that, 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 that the other races just wouldn't see coming. I mean, that sort of, I suppose it slightly applies, applies to the Necrons as well. Cause again, because yeah, there's still, true. still a lot that we don't know about them that could be out there. They don't know what they could come up with, but, um, mm. but because, which is sort of one of my next points where the Tyranids are, are more active than, you know, again, mm. compared to the Necrons, you know, <laughs> where the Necrons are sleeping. And like we said, the Tyranids are out there, um, you know, causing havoc that, that yeah, the more they yeah. more they do, the more they learn, the more powerful they become. Um, whereas, mm. the, like I said, the Necrons are sort of sleeping it out, <laughs> which you know could work in their favour or not. Um, what else we got? Um, got anything else? Uh, Tyranids? Yeah, uh, I have my final one. The Tyranids will win the moral victory <laughs> when the last. It sounds dumb, but hear me out. When okay. the last dying Imperial scholar in a distant cave, writing with his own blood, scrolls down what killed humanity, it will be the great swarm of tyranny. <laughs> <laughs> because, sure, the Necrons will win, but no one will know it was the Necrons because the Tyranids will wipe out everyone first, move on, the Necrons will be like, oh, we've conquered the galaxy. Because <laughs> yeah, by default. Left. <laughs> yeah. By default. But no one will ever credit them. No one will ever know the Necrons were the true winners because everyone thinks it's the Tyranids yeah. who killed everyone. So the Tyranids have the moral victory. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that. That is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I've got any more reasons for the, the Tyranids, to be fair, that have any real note. Mm. So I think we'll uh, we'll summarise this. So, um, <laughs> I, um, so what's your sort of verdict then? If, you know, realistic, uh, put, put in a, you know, the actual real, you know, reason yeah but, uh, my my real my real 100 percent verdict is the tyranids win because they complete their objective of eating everything um and then the necrons also win because the tyranids are now gone and there's nothing else left so they're in charge of the galaxy again yeah that is literally the most likely scenario if yep. games workshop ever you know actually plays <laughs> out to full which yeah. they won't of course but yeah no that that's the way i see it is they both win but because they have such different goals and different terms and different long-term objectives, they can both win. They yeah. can both conquer the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree. I must admit, it's funny, when I was, before I properly looked into this, my gut feeling straight away was Tyranids. I thought, yeah, mm. Tyranids, they got this in the bag. And then the more I yeah. looked into it, the more I thought about it, I thought, no, no, I'm definitely swaying towards mm. Necrons. Um, so my sort of verdict is, necrons i i agree with you because i think like what you're saying that is the most likely scenario but i think really so i think the ultimate victor would be the necrons mm. ultimately either yeah. it would be either the point that the like i said the tyranids take over the un the uh the galaxy and then, then move on and then necrons get it by default or i could see it where if they were the last two that the necrons would potentially mm. win it because oh, of yeah. the biomatter because of the gauze weaponry mm. um i think they would just have that edge over the tyranids at the end of the day, yeah, I think it'll be yeah. enough to sway it. So I think Necrons ultimate victor. Either way you look at it, <laughs> <sighs> awesome. that was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, 
Cool. Right. right. So that's let's um, wrap this up. Let's do it. This is. I thought this was going to be a short, a shorter episode, and oh, we're no. completely wrong. Uh, it's yet again. Well, look, we spend an hour on hobby. We yeah. spend an hour on Skaven. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And suddenly, but all our hours just, are gone. It's just because we like talking about it. We got so much to talk mm. about. It's great. So, yeah, so I'll just wrap up the show now because you're probably thinking, oh, God, they're dragging on now. Um, mm. So, yeah, so th- thank you very much for listening to this episode so far and what we've been talking about. Um, I'll just say we'll just do the ad- normal sort of admin stuff. Um, so where would we start? We'll start with, uh, as always, iTunes. Um, as always, if you have the time, spend a couple of minutes giving us a review, ideally five star if you think we're worth it. So, um, again, it just shows people that you know we may be worth listening to and it gets more people involved mm-hmm. um twitter you can find us on there that's mainly our most active place for mm-hmm. social media which is uh, at realm and ruin um there's also mm-hmm. facebook not as uh, active because we're more twitter people so that's uh, facebook.com slash realm and ruin um as i always bang on join our discord if you if you really fancy it because again since last episode we've had quite a few more new people in and like i said to you it's just a great little place to talk about warhammer and like i said people swapping Mm. tips uh you know like we've had people like even today going i'm playing my first game of 40k today and it's brilliant it's like yeah great you know yeah you know we're looking forward to hearing their sort of outcome of it you know so it's you know, it's just a, g- a cool little place to be. So, um, like I said, the link is either on our website at realmandruin.com slash discord, um, or it'll be in the, the link will be in the notes, um, as connected to this show, uh, in the download. Um, lastly, um, I've spoke about guesting before. Um, so we've got a few things very, hopefully very imminent. So quick, quickly, I'll, I'll explain. Um, so there's, there's a chance. Um, and something me and Cameron have spoken about before where we may do the odd episode that's outside of these, you know, ones that we do every two weeks This with this sort of format mm-hmm. where we've got a few planned where they'll just be on a particular subject. So rather than hobby stuff and a debate topic, it won't be that sort of stuff. We'll just, you know, we may just have, um, like, for example, there's something we're lining up where we want to have a, like a just a 40K episode where we've got a potential guest, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, on board and the three of us will just talk about 40k and just have a chat and it'll be like said, it'll be in addition to the normal episodes um like we said when age of sigma 2 comes out there's a good chance we'll just do a couple either one or probably two age of sigma yeah. 2 episodes um but again because we want to keep it balanced we will always still have these episodes as well you know just to, mm. to like i said to keep it balanced um i'm hopefully fingers crossed got a potential into big interview lined up um which will be something really cool i won't go into any details because it's not it's not we haven't arranged the time but like i said we've got someone that will be very interesting to speak to um so yeah so just like i said just keep on the lookout um we also uh talking about feedback um like for example someone on twitter recently asked if we would do like a necromunda law episode which i'm not against you know it'd be something to maybe do sometime yeah. um so like i said if you have anything you think yeah i would love you guys to talk about this either on the main episodes like this or every so often when we start doing these sort of spin-off episodes if there's anything you would like us to cover or talk about again either on you know talk to us on twitter facebook or like i said if you go to realmroon.com slash contact you can send us a message and and we'll uh, definitely look into it so yeah lastly cameron where can people find you on the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Come say hi. I love to chat. There you go. 
Chatty Cameron, that's what they call him. <laughs> <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter at uh, Ninja Badger Seven, the number seven. Again, like Cameron, come feel free to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, or you know, if you're on Twitter, go to us on Realm and Ruin because we're both on there and showing you the latest news and what we're working on and what we're going to cover soon. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's been Realm and Ruin episode seven. Uh, the train keeps going. <laughs> and and like we said right near the start of the show thank you so much for listening thank you so much for your support yeah, please yeah. keep it going we're hopefully onto a good thing here and uh, we'll see you on the next episode bye 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 <laughs>